everyone. How's it going? Welcome to Know Your Gear QA live podcast number 249. Hey, we're almost at 250. <laughs> Hopefully everybody had a great week. One of the questions that came early, I really want to talk about. I really like this question. I like this subject and uh, it's probably going to be um, maybe a little controversial, even though it shouldn't be. Uh, this one comes from 3J Music, who says, Hey, Phil, what are, my, what are your thoughts, he means mine, on signature gear? Does a guitar amp or pedal with an artist's name on it sway you either way when it comes to buying? Absolutely. I'm, I'm going to talk about me first. Absolutely does come to sway me when I'm buying. I didn't strategically do this, but just looking at you, you know, obviously I'm looking at myself through the screen. I can see I have my Nuno Bittencourt signature, my Eddie Van Halen signature. I'm pointing at those guitars, the John Mayer signature right there. And I don't see any other signatures. I'm just looking in the room, but I have a few others. I have a, a Joe Satrani. I have a Jim. Um, I have a Stu Him Urge bass. I'm trying to, th oh, I have Sinister Gates uh, guitar with a Staniac. I have a few signature guitars. Let me look. I'm just looking behind me, making sure that there's not ones I can reference. Um, I like signature guitars. I have no problem with that. I don't know what it is. It doesn't bug me <laughs> to have a different artist, you know, an artist's guitar or something in my hands. Um, I, I like nice instruments, nice amps, nice pedals that I like. And sometimes artists have feedback that really know how to dial in. Let's face it, the people out there, uh, grinding it every day, making music, performing music, recording music. These people are going to have insights into making instruments far beyond the average player or even the R&D side of a company. Um, that being said, there's a dark side to the Signature Series stuff. And the dark side for me is that it's like a moving target. See, see, here's the thing. And, and again, I want to go back in time with you all. Um, I'm trying to think, I want to say 20 years ago, but we might have to go back further, right? Let's, let's talk about the, the eighties. Uh, let's talk about the, the late mid to late eighties. Some of those is that's far back. And some people it's not that far back. Depends on how, how old you are. Um, when you think of signature guitars, uh, 30 years ago, there are a few, there are, there was obviously Eddie Van Halen. He had everything from the Wolfgang, uh, you know, before, and, and, and of course, everybody was copying the striped guitars. You had Steve Vai's Gem, like in 87, that comes out. Um, and I'm not, you know, tons of guitars, by the way. Um, artists start, George Lynch had ESP guitars. I mean, there was Ar Kirk Hammett, there was guitar players with signature instruments. And as we know, that exploded. It exploded to the point where, um, I've said this before, where so many artists got guitars, it got confusing to the point where sometimes I would like see a signature guitar come out to this day. But I mean, this isn't new. This is 20 years ago. 20 years ago, I would open up a guitar world and there'd be an artist holding a guitar and they're like, hey, it's this guy or this gal's first, you know, new signature guitar. And I like, I don't know who this person is. And then you'd have to like search to find their band. And then when you saw the band, you're like, I don't know who this band is. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you, it was so obscure. And so at first, I think a lot of people reaction was like mine. Mine was like yours, where when we saw people we didn't know, we're like, why would they get a signature guitar? Who the hell are they? You know what I mean? And slowly over time, what you realize is that um, uh, everyone is a fan of something, right? I mean, it's, in fact, 
In fact, some of the smaller, less known artists that have signature guitars are really effective because of the fact that they're their fan base is so diehard. They're so into it. And I can I can attest to that because there are artists that I absolutely love in every way, shape, and form, and they've never had signature guitars. And if they did, I would absolutely get one because they actually mean more than me, more to me than the signature guitars I currently own. Um, you know, I just love their music. I love their sound. I, lo- I, I would love to have one of their signature guitars. Um, But that's not what I'm talking about when I say it's a moving target. Signature instruments, more so than pedals and and amps, okay, but all of them are up there. Guitars, I want to focus on guitars. Signature guitars have slowly turned into this thing where I call it, like I said, a moving target. It means, let's say you have an artist and you absolutely love their sound, and you you buy one of their signature guitars. It's almost guaranteed that it's going to be obsolete. Before you can even put a year into the instrument playing it, going, finally, I have my favorite artist's tone or feel or guitar or look or whatever it is or all the above that you're interested in, there's a new version. And I don't mean new colors. New colors are going to happen. Obviously, the, you know, Steve I with the gems, uh, you know, the Silver Skies, for example, they come out with colors every year. You know, there's always a new color. I get that. There's always more options. Let's find the color that everybody's really interested in. Maybe they'll buy that. Plus, the artist probably gets tired of playing the same color. But... That's not what I'm talking about. It's like it's constantly evolving into, well, now the guitar has these pickups. Oh, and now the guitar has these frets. And now the guitar is slightly different. We slightly changed this and we added this and and we've changed the neck profile. Um, Fender, of course, has uh, had this problem over the years where signature artist guitars' neck profiles have changed. Um, where the, the, the artist goes, you know, I don't like that profile anymore. And they change it. They flatten it. They round it. Um, and now you got to get the newest version if you want the new version of, of that. Um, and again, it almost is funny to me. I, not that I, and this is why I said it's, I don't think it's a controversial subject, but this is where it will be a little bit controversial. I'm not calling out musicians and artists for doing this. I'm not saying that, you know, I mean, sometimes it's a cash grab. I mean, that's just reality, but obviously they have the right especially as a musician to grow, evolve and change. They get tired of something and they want to change it. But a lot of times, and I don't mean the majority, I just mean maybe, you know, two out of 10 times, does seem like there's just changes made just because that's going to drive up more sales. And the irony of that is the person who's buying this is trying to connect to the artist, and yet the company and the artist are constantly, like I said, making a moving target. You can't do it. And um, and that's why I... <laughs> yeah, Aaron Short Music, the Silver Sky has changed over the years. I want the 2022 now. You know, what's funny about this is absolutely the pickups have slowly changed. The finishes have changed uh, aside from the colors. I think the neck profile has even changed on the Silver Skies, slightly different. Um, and again, it, every artist has the right to evolve and send, come back and say, you know, now that I've had the instrument for some time, I want to make some changes. Um, and there's truth in that. And of course, there's also truth in the, hey, if we change it, everybody who, who loves this artist is going to want to get the newest version of the iPhone, so to speak, is where, where it feels like. It's like, uh, you mean even though my phone still works, I got to get a new phone? Yeah, yeah. Even though this guitar is great, I got to get the newest guitar if I really want the newest thing. And um, so my feeling on signature instruments are exactly that way. I like them. Um, Somebody, meant, I'm sorry, I missed the I missed the name on the comment, but somebody said that the signatures are for posers, and that is um, that is essentially where it started. It started as as simple as that. Art uh, musicians, and whether that meant entry level uh, 
uh, student level, uh, uh, hobbyists, uh, working professional musicians, working semi-professional musicians, part-time, full-time, whatever you call it. There was a time where, yeah, no one really bought signature guitars. It wasn't a thing. It developed, definitely developed. And by that nature, think about this. And if you look back to those times, it was also when you didn't see, um, I don't want to say real artists, but we're going to say real artists for, so to speak, we're credible artists, uh, not, they didn't do commercials, you know, um, I still remember the first time I saw a Dodge commercial with an Aerosmith song of Nike with the Beatles revolution. Uh, I was like in shock. I remember that to this day. I mean, think about this. I can remember like the Challenger explosion. Like there's things and events in my life that are, that of course, you know, as a young adult to adult, these moments in time are ingrained in your head. The fact that something as crazy as tragic as that, the Challenger explosion, and the day I saw a Beatles song on a Nike's commercial are ingrained into me to the point where I remember that being such a prolific moment in my life is a downright strange for sure. But it also tells a story of that's how it was then. You just didn't see that. And there's a lot of reasons for that. And Jeff says, we're all posers. Absolutely, Jeff. That's where I'm going to go with this, by the way. Um, you know, a lot of, a lot of, uh, of us remember artists like Moby. If you remember the artist Moby, he became hugely successful um, selling and licensing his music to TV shows and movies because real traditional artists didn't. There was a time where artists were just not going to do that. And I don't mean like, you know, obviously, uh, you know, Aerosmith, The Beatles, The Who, Zeppelin. We're not talking about them. We're talking about like the Backstreet Boys wouldn't, you know, pop music wouldn't license out music for a commercial. You know what I mean? Um, even pop music wasn't quote unquote, a sellout to that level. And uh, and sellout being the term at the time. That was the term at the time. Now, some of you are probably right now like, they still are sellouts. You still believe all these things, posers, sellouts. You, you have a right to, of course. But I think as, as time evolved, you learned uh, the real reality is this. Whether you wanted it to be to happen or not, whether the artist wanted to have it or not, it was an evolution that happened of economics. The reality is, look at me exactly right what we're doing now, watching this podcast. There's 780 of you hanging out on a Friday. We're talking about guitars and stuff on this podcast. Um, there's tons of content being created on YouTube for pennies. You know what I mean? Uh, Spotify paying pennies or quarters of pennies. Fractions. Well, I say pennies. That's actually a lie. YouTube and Spotify all then pay fractions of pennies uh, for volume. The amount of uh, content it takes to create to create $10,000 of funds is astronomical, although obtainable. So it's a double-edged sword. Some artists uh, are upset with Spotify and platforms uh, like like YouTube and stuff for basically paying so little, but then smaller artists are just happy to make $500 a month, which pays a car payment or puts towards rent and makes a, a lifestyle that was unobtainable to them obtainable. There's, there's definitely two sides to all that story. But the point back to this is the reality is, is that artists, and this is where I'm going with this, I believe the moving target thing, I believe the artist thing became a necessity. More and more artists are like, how do I make money? I don't make money off this anymore, and I make less off that. And and look at just merch. Think about something that's supposed to be super profitable. What should be, what should, there shouldn't be anything probably more profitable than a t-shirt, Right. Uh, you can buy T-shirts. Again, inflation's different now. But let's just say 20 years ago, you could buy a T-shirt for $2.50 printed 
and volume and sell it at a concert for $30. This is 20 years ago you could do this. Look at the revenue you know, can be dr dr from driven from t-shirts, but then the vendors decided, well, we're going to we're going to take a piece of that. And you know what I mean? Everybody starts taking a piece of that and uh it 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 gets dwindled down and of course um even I remember I think I was at Motley Crue Kiss. I know I think that's where I was at. Where it was the first time it ever happened to me? I was at the concert. You know, I I had bought a couple uh, ten dollar or fifteen dollar beers, whatever it was. It was you know you can't even you know you know the the feeling that you go get a beer and you hand them a twenty and they give you like a dollar fifty back and you're like what the hell just happened? <laughs> and uh, and you know you paid a fortune for the show and I remember walking by the shirt tents and I remember it was the first time I got out my phone and I go you know I like these shirts but I wonder if they're online and I found the shirts online. I don't mean copies; they were the shirts. The bands were selling them right off their websites for less and I was like. And I'll just order one online. And uh, so, I mean, you got to understand, and that does, that changes things dynamic. I mean, I'm still buying from the band, supporting the band, but these dynamics change. And all this has to do with signature gear. So the, the, the million dollar thing is, I don't know why I'm saying the million dollar thing. The million dollar question, the question I always have is, is uh, when it comes to thoughts on signature gear is, it became an, a necessity for artists to make money. It's just a necessity. They have to make money every way they can. Um, that's just the reality of the business. Remember, artists are no different than athletes. Their their time frame in the spotlight can be a long time, but most of the time is not. So you have to make enough money, not so you can live forever and not and retire off what you did for a five year period. It's so that when you go back into some kind of normal uh, environment where you go back to playing small clubs and have to pick up a side job, you know, I mean, at least there's a little bit of something for your effort, especially if you created tens of millions of dollars and you know everybody took a big chunk of it. Um, so I think that's why the artists drive to not only make the signature gear, but also keep changing it. I personally, like I said, I like signature gear because um, for for I've decided mentally that signature gear to me is like memorabilia. Um, my first uh, my first problem with signature gear, believe it or not, was. Um, with the Eddie Van Halen Frankenstein reissues that were $25,000. The reason I say issue, I mean, I, I was confused, right? I'm an Eddie Van Halen fan. I understand Eddie Van Halen fans, especially hardcore ones that are more so hardcore than me. I remember when that guitar came out, it was 25 grand retail. Street, you know, was all over the place. But 25 grand retail, I remember 25 grand for guitar. Who buys this guitar? And I know who buys those guitars. Um, the same people who would buy a $25,000 uh, jersey from a foot, you know, from a sports team and have it and has it signed and framed or bought it from a, you know, a dealer. It's a piece of memorabilia. It's a piece of your childhood. It's a piece of the thing that you love. It's everything that you want. And if you have the money, I guess it, you spend it. And it's not even just about being rich. Look, let's face it. Some people will buy a $60,000 pickup truck and some people will buy a $10,000 pickup truck and spend $50,000 on something that they just care about that just has, maybe it has value, maybe it doesn't. So I like this subject because of the fact that um, it's a, it's like I said, it's it's a kind of a little polarizing. Like I said, there's people out there who are like, ah, signature gears for posers and I don't get it. And that's every right and they're not wrong. And some people are like more lean towards me where I'm like signature gear lets me for a moment stand in somebody else's shoes and, and, you know, when I play my Nuno or when I play my Eddie Van Halen, I do my best fake Eddie Van Halen licks and best Nuno licks and plug into an amp. And, man, I don't know if I would 
play them in front of people all the time. That's not really the guitars I grab if I, you know, go jam with people and stuff. But it, they are the guitars that give me like that moment. It's a moment for sure. Um, <laughs> ESL says the Bootsy bass. There are stuff like the Bootsy. He's talking about Bootsy Collins bass, the star bass with the, I think it's is it five pickups in it, five outputs, four outputs. I think it's like four output jacks, four, four pickups, four output jacks. Um, that's a little crazy. <laughs> you know what I mean? Some artists do have something that is so unique to them that you're just like, uh, I don't know. You know who, who's, I'm a huge, massive fan is Billy Sheehan. Huge, massive fan. And I've never been able to pull the trigger on that bass because it's just a little too different for me. Um, cause I realize like as much as I like it, as much as I can, I won't, I won't play it. I'll get it and it will become wall art. And that's not what I'm looking for. I'm looking for something I actually want to, to use and play. Um, yeah, Lunamatic says some artists, and this is kind of what I'm talking about, some artists are more involved in designing uh, the guitar than others. Just saying, absolutely, of course. Um, and some are more excited about it. And uh, and some of them learn, uh, look, there's a there's a reality to this. I don't know if you know this, but uh, there's tons of artists who have made signature guitars. And they had a unique guitar. They made a signature guitar. And they were excited about it until one day they realized, like, the thing that they liked about that signature guitar was nobody had it but them. And now everyone has it. You know, it's a weird feeling. Think about this. Some some musicians by nature, and again, all levels, collectors to professionals, some musicians like having, when they in a room, enter a room with a ton of guitar players, having not the most expensive guitar. It's never about that. Well, it can be about that, but it's usually not about that. It's about having the most unique guitar. What do you have? Oh, I have this guitar. It's in a special color. It's just something unique. And they're like, oh, I've never seen that. And there's a feeling of like, oh, yeah, I have something that's, you know, not everybody's seen. And then if you become famous and they, some company says, well, we'd like to recreate that for you. At first, your reaction is like, great, until you see it everywhere. So every room you go in, you're like, every guy and gal that comes up to you for, hey, can I get your autograph and a picture? And by the way, I have your guitar. <laughs> I have the same thing you have. We all have the same thing. And so there's a little bit of that to that. Um, interesting subject. Like I said, I like these discussions because it's... It's, it's always, it's always, like I said, every time I've, it's come up on the podcast, it ends up being polarized in the comments because there's so many people have strong opinions about whether or not musicians do it to sell out, whether musicians do it for real. Um, what I've, I've always, one of the musicians I always want to talk about is I always mention Mick Mars from Motley Crue. He doesn't have a signature guitar and he, he was interviewed once and, and as far as I know, he doesn't have a signature guitar. He, you know, I've never seen one. And he, in the interview I saw, which was many years ago, he said he just never wanted a signature guitar. He talked about not being good enough for one, which is, of course, silly because we know, one, he's a great guitar player. I think he's a great guitar player. But on top of that, I don't think how good you are really determines in this. I think, again, it's a uh, signature instrument is really about how many people are interested in having what you have and would buy it. It's a consumer product. And obviously, Motley Crue has enough uh, fan base that it would make sense. But I don't think that's exactly what it was. He said that's part of it, that he's just not good enough. But I think it's exactly that. I think he didn't doesn't want to have everybody just have the same guitar as him with his name on it. So, so there you go. Um, okay. Let's look at, I'm looking at comments to see if anybody have any more input on this subject before I move on. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Hoser says, do you have a personal price limit for guitar? Um, 
You know, early, if you watch the podcast, like I said, 250, coming up 250 episodes, you'll see for the longest time I said I wouldn't spend more than $2,500. You have to understand, inflation has really messed it up. I don't mean in the last year, inflation. Inflation over the last just three or four years. Um, you all, I feel like you, you, the majority of the audiences out there, the more, majority of the comments out there, seems like this the inflation... It was like, it's obvious now. So everybody's like, this is crazy how much everything's went up. But I feel like inflation has been coming at us for the guitar community for five years. It's just been pounding on us ever since the market, uh, ever since we s recovered from the last recession, those guitar companies, um, you know, just came pounding <laughs> as much as they can. And so, and the reality is, is that... Um, there is more to it than that. Like I've said, I ha it's a little tricky and I always ha hate talking about this and not explaining. And what I mean is a lot of times, I'll, I've said this before, a lot of times um, I'll buy a guitar. I bought a Gibson uh, R9 last year, as the guys talked about. If you saw my collection video, I talk about this. That guitar was, of course, very expensive. However, however, um, that guitar is a very strange guitar because honest you know, obviously honest, but honest to goodness, I'm into that guitar for $1,925. That's the physical amount of dollars I spent on the guitar because of a, a basically what happened is I bought a guitar for that price. And then that guitar, I ended up selling it for $6,000. And, um, I have a policy. <laughs> I just laugh. I have a policy. I don't have a policy. That's just dumb. I have a philosophy. And my wife and I have had this philosophy since we were broke 20 somethings in a one, you know, one bedroom apartment, uh, you know, broke as hell. Okay. Um, which is when I sell gear, I take the money for gear and I put it into more gear. And the reason is that is because at some point in my life, you know, poor 20s, we ended up pawning a bunch of my guitars, selling stuff, you know, selling my gear to make rent, to make, you know, to be honest, my wife back then, she smoked, right? My wife, my wife hasn't smoked in 20, over almost 24 years now, she hasn't smoked. But back then she was a smoker and we, we you know, those of you who smoke know this, even back then it was crazy expensive. And especially when we used to like, uh, we're talking about, you know, 90 1994, you know, 1994, 95, we would have, after you pay the rent, uh, <laughs> we would have about $100 a week to live on to pay for gas, which at that time, thank goodness, it was like a buck a seven for a gallon of gas. Um, but uh, my truck and her car would suck up uh, probably about $50 of gas for the week. And then so that left us $50 left over. She, I think she, I don't remember. I'm doing off memory. I think a carton of cigarettes back then was $15. Um, where we lived, you could drive to the reservation and get them without taxes, or we could go across into Nogales into Mexico back then. And we would do this. So, you know, just to save money and buy cigarettes across the border for her. And then, you know, now you're down, you know, you're doing the math, you're getting down really fast. You get down to like $35 and then you're like top ramen and stuff like that. And so what ended up happening was, uh, like a lot of people in those situations, you'd sell a guitar, you'd pawn something, and then, of course, you can't pay it off, so you lost it. And then when you did the math, when you look back, you know, what you end up getting for the gear back then especially, because there was no reverb. There was nowhere to sell this stuff. I don't want to get, you know, that's just reality. You couldn't put, you know, you could put an ad in the paper, but who had money for the ad? Um, but, and your friends were broke, because, you know, your friends are usually in the same situation you are, so they're broke too. And uh, looking back at that uh, that moment, what we realized was there was a lot of times, like, essentially, I just sold a guitar, and then what did we get out of it? Some, 
some cigarettes. <laughs> you know what I mean? We, you know, we, there wasn't like anything. So um, that being said, we kind of followed that. And then what happened is over time, you know, you do better and you do better and you get better jobs. Things, uh, you know, start going for you. Obviously, we opened businesses and um, those have been successful. And and so we kind of still stick to that philosophy. So I kind of try to keep my gear uh, money churning into itself. But collecting as long as I have, it kind of plumes up. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, is, is the term I use. Like, you know, um, so the, the reason I, I long answer to answer your question, like how, what's my limit on what I spend on a guitar? My limit to spend on a guitar is probably at this point in my life, infinity. In other words, I don't know if there is a limit to what I would spend as long as I felt like, again, I had, you know, I, like one day if I, I couldn't tell you this, but one day I could go, okay, screw it. Let's just sell 20 guitars and buy one ex super expensive guitars. I don't think I'll do it. Um, my main reason for not buying super expensive guitars is a constant fear of, because uh, like I said, again, I've been self-employed for 17 years and I love it. I've been my own boss. I don't have any companies to dictate to me. Um, like I've said to you guys before, 95% of my income comes from no companies every year. It comes from self-generated, you know, I generate it through my businesses and through YouTube and through you guys and Patreon and, and but everything. But that point being, um, the problem with being self-employed is it's always in the back of your head one day, you might have a bad month, a bad year. In fact, I was convinced it was going to happen in 2020 when COVID happened. I was ready. <laughs> I was absolutely ready. In fact, in fact, I was convinced. Uh, I'll go to the channel. It'll be interesting because I don't know how many guitars I'll have left at the end of the year making videos when I have to sell them all. So you're always just constantly aware of the fact you have to sell this stuff. My The reason I tell you that is because that's my fear of expensive guitars. When you buy really expensive guitars, if you ever get in a way where you have to sell those, there's not a mass market for them. And if you have to sell a $4,000 guitar in a hurry, you are going to lose your ass. It's just going to be a horrific thing. So though that fear keeps me from some of the more expensive guitars, unless I really, really love them. The other thing that happens on expensive guitars is all of my favorite guitars. In fact, if, you know, uh, I, I don't know, it changes, obviously, like a lot of you, you know, what guitar you love the most. But if you were to say, what's your five favorite guitars at any given time? I can guarantee you, although the, the guitars change in my collection, there's probably not a single guitar in those five guitars I would pick in the last, going back three years to now, that are probably, I paid more than maybe, maybe there's one that I paid $1,500 for. Most of them will be about $1,000 is what I paid for them. So when you find you have guitars that you love for sub $1,000, it's hard to justify three and $4,000 guitars. It just is. Um, so that's my answer to that, which is a weird. So I'm not old. I invented said he quit smoking 12 years ago. All my money spent on smokes went to guns and guitars. You know, and it's a, yeah, you know, I, I'm, I absolutely, um, <laughs> I absolutely, uh, um, I, you know, if you can quit smoking, it's the greatest thing. I've never smoked. Um, I lucked out. Uh, my Everybody in my family smokes but me, uh, everybody. And uh, growing up, I, in fact, I think I'm the only family member I know in any form that isn't a smoker, I think. You know what I mean? There might be one exception. And, uh, and uh, I'll tell you, it's a funny story. I've always been a chubby guy, even when I was in the Army, you know, right? Um, I just always been a chubby guy <laughs> and, uh, Dennis Leary had a joke that he goes, uh, fat smokers. And I don't mean to offend anybody. I'm just telling you the joke and how it affected me. He said a joke and he said fat, he goes, he was talking about fat people smoking 
And he goes, does that mean they have something in their mouth 24 hours a day? That seemed to hit me pretty hard. I heard that probably when I was 17. And I was like, oh, man, I can't smoke. <laughs> I go, unless I, and I, and I convinced myself the only way I could smoke is if I lost weight and I was thin and I was afraid that I would go, what if I smoke and I don't get thin? I'll be like that Dennis Leary thing. So again, um, that was what kind of did it for me. That's what killed smoking for me. So I never tried it, never did it. Um, very interesting subject to go on a guitar channel. <laughs> so, okay. Um, by the way, I'd like to also point out too, same thing with amplifiers. I've been collecting up some really interesting amplifiers over the last couple of years because, again, very interested. And like I said, a lot of this is because of inflation. I know that this stuff's just going to keep going up in price. So it's more of not that I want to buy it to make money on it. I just want to buy it when it's look it's not affordable now it's going to be less affordable um the uh the um <laughs> you know it's going to get worse um and the problem i have is one of my favorite amps is my 65 deluxe reaver which is in geez uh 60 of my videos i paid 350 dollars for that amp i absolutely love it um james norton said trogley's doing all right in the expensive guitar department i'm sure he is again here here's the and i don't know though because remember i owned a store for 13 years so it's really tricky because um, I owned all those guitars, obviously, as a store owner. But when you're in the flipping guitar game, owning is a very weird word. <laughs> I mean, obviously, like I said, if I, if, if I still was doing the store, especially now with the channel, like I said, it would be more of like an Anderton's vibe thing. I'd be doing that kind of vibe. But more importantly, um, you know, at any given time, like right now, if somebody said, what's the most expensive guitar you had, have? I could tell you what I in my personal collection, but in the store days, I could go, oh, $15,000 because we had some private stock PRSs in the back. You know what I mean? And so, and they were ours. They were mine. I mean, I was the, the main owner and we bought them. So, I mean, they were mine, but that was a different mentality because kind of like Trogley, you're flipping guitars. So every guitar is really just a flip. I know he keeps some. I'm sure he does because just like at the store, I kept some too. But I, I owned way more guitars when I had the store, but I have more guitars now because I'm not flipping guitars. The only time I sell guitars now is because of physical room. I, I've said this before. I just physically just run out of room. I'm not buying, I'm not ever going to buy a bigger house just to put more guitars in it. I, I tell my wife that all the time. It's just crazy to me. So. Um, okay, hold on a second. I'm just looking at comments. Um, but like I said, and that's my experience with most, uh, uh, guitar guys that flip guitars. They're going to have a lot of expensive guitars cause they're flipping them. Um, you got to understand there's a big motivation to have expensive guitars when you're in the guitar business, because not only cause there's always somebody that's willing to buy one, especially if you're sitting on it and waiting for the right time, but more importantly, big expensive guitars bring in really cool guitars. You know, if you have a $20,000 guitar, that's interesting there's a huge 50% of the time that seems fair to say 50% of the time, how that guitar gets sold is somebody will go, I'll give you five grand and these three or four guitars. And now you have three or four interesting, expensive guitars to sell. So uh, big guitars bring in small guitars. Uh, and, and that, that mathematically works at every level. So whether it's a $500 guitar brings in hundred dollar guitars, $5,000 guitar brings, uh, you know, uh, 3,000 or, you know, you know, three, three or $4,000 guitars plus some cash. So that's another reason why you see a lot of a guitar flipping done. And again, I, I, I know Trogley pretty well. And I've seen some of his videos. I, I'm not hundred percent versed in how it all works with him. So I'm not versed, but I, that's the general idea I got was that he's buying and selling guitars. Right. Um, which is very common in this industry. 
I just decided to open a store. You can make more money doing what he's doing, buying and flipping guitars. There are tons of people. I know uh, personally good friends of mine. I, can, I know 10 people right now that literally that's what they do all day. They travel every day going to music stores and pawn shops looking for guitars, running Craigslist ads. They buy and flip guitars. That's how they do it. Uh, it's financially great, but again, I wasn't looking for that when I, was, when I opened my store. I physically wanted to have a community, a store. But that expense of that store makes it a little, little different financial proposition. Um, uh, okay. Okay. Let's uh, let's uh, let's grab some more questions. <laughs> I was scanning and and uh, I'm just gonna refresh and see where we're at. All right, let's uh, let's do this. We have Vimps. Vimps69 says, I have a late, I have a late meeting this afternoon. Uh, we'll have to catch the replay later. Ha every, hope everyone has a fun show today. That's nice that he did that. Uh, I feel for you, man. I was meetings all week. I had to pay the price of being down when I was sick. I, I just so happened I... Uh, in January, I thought I had this great idea. I pushed every company to the last week of the month going, you know, I'm just going to stay focused on working and getting stuff done and let all those meetings and Zoom calls and all this stuff to stack up for the last week. And then I got sick. So I had to reschedule it all this month. It's just been paying the price. Um, I don't mind the meetings. I mean, it's talking about guitars and stuff. It's a, as a gig goes, it's a great gig to have. But sometimes when there's a lot of them, it's, it's a little daunting if there's a lot. So I appreciate yeah, Vim's where you're at. Stout Coffee says, uh, what are some Frankenstrats you've had the pleasure to work with? Um, where are, where are they, were they any good? That's good. Okay, so there's multiple questions. They're like, what is the most interesting Frankenstrat? Parts of cast or whatever you want to call it. Um, were they any good? Also, does a Frankenstrat tell, say anything about the owner? Sure. All of these answers are, all these questions are great questions and great answers. I can actually t tell you exactly to the T, the most interesting Franken, this is a Franken Telly that I ever worked on. And I can tell you the, I'll tell you his first name. Cause I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know to tell you his last name. I didn't get his permission. His name's David. Um, David was a customer of my shop for many, many years. David now goes, uh, uh, to, I've seen him recently, I think in the last couple months at, at Zim's Guitars, because, uh, you know, uh, Zim's is, a, uh, like I've talked about this before, Zim's was a, a customer of my store, and then he opened a store. Uh, and uh, Dave, um, he always brought me interesting things to work on, but one day he brought me the coolest thing to this day I've ever worked on. Uh, it's like an aparts caster thing. What he did that was, I thought was just super ingenious, was he, I don't, he went, he was going to yard sales, and at a yard sale, he found an old, like, I don't know if it was from the 70s or the 50s, but it was an old uh, end table, right? Okay, and some of you guys rem may remember what we're talking about here. There was some of these old end tables, and they were like three-inch blocks of mahogany. And I don't mean like pieces or ply or veneer. I mean, this was just a hunk of mahogany. The table was big enough to where you could almost, unfortunately you couldn't, but almost do two full bodies. You couldn't. Um, but it was three inches thick of old mahogany that also had been sitting on somebody's uh, house and drying out for <laughs> 30 to 40 years, right? Um, 
And what he did that was ingenious was he bought this. I think he, I can't remember the price. It was something stupid, right? He made it pay $25 for this table, right? Somebody was just looking at his like outdated furniture. This is definitely, this is back in like 2007. So uh, when I did this, uh, no, 2008, I think it was 2008 when I did this for him. And so what he did is then he took it into his garage and he rough cut out a telly shape. You know, so he and he and he planed it down because obviously three inches is pretty thick. So he got down in it and uh, and he brought it to me and he, he just said, you know, hey, put it on the counter and says, hey, can you make a, a guitar out of this? You know, and I said, yes, yes. And um, so I got a neck and we put a neck on it and, you know, I, I cleaned up the route. You know what I mean? Smooth it all out, finished it, uh, uh, the the sides and stuff. And then I routed the I routed the the the, the, the pickup holes in the neck pocket and all that stuff and we'll put it together and um i and what ended up happening was great uh, something else is when planning down the body we found wormholes in it uh, <laughs> that you, you know I mean, you couldn't see from the top which actually were really cool because it's just these random holes that went you know in and came out the side and stuff and uh that guitar sounded so damn good it just sounded good it just had a vibe to it. It was a, not a heavy guitar. You know, you kind of picture it being heavy, but it wasn't because this is old. You know, it's probably Honduran mahogany. Like I said, it was made when it was just like eh, people just bought wood and just made stuff out of wood and didn't worry. <laughs> you know, the biz biggest expense was the labor, not the actual materials. And uh, unlike today where it's almost the, you know, kind of, kind of flips a little bit. And um, but what I loved was that was kind of my first like before reclaimed, especially in the guitar community was a thing. He just did this and it was great. That was the coolest parts of caster I ever did um, to the point. Reason I think about it, one, it was, it was cool and it had a cool story. Um, he. Um, uh, he ended up not keeping that guitar. He, cause he, what he does is he did exactly what he did there. He kept doing that over and over again. He'd always have a project. He'd always have a new guitar, you know, something different, something to work with. And I always thought to myself, I should have bought that damn guitar <laughs> because it was just, I like that story. I just told you, I always thought that was a cool story. You know, this used to be a retained, a reclaimed end table. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm pretty sure it was a seventies table. Um, and it was just, uh, like I said, this thick block. And it, cause it had that, you know, it's not only thick, but it had that, you know, how they kind of, I don't know what you call it, where they, they, they kind of carved like the waving on the sides and stuff. So it looked wavy on the sides. But that was cool. That was probably the coolest thing. I, 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 and sadly enough, you know, as you guys know, as shortly thereafter, the time where that kind of furniture was made, everything essentially became IKEA before IKEA. So now you, it's hard to do that. You know what I mean? First of all, older furniture tends to have more value now. And I don't know, maybe I'm, because again, I'm not versed in this. Maybe we were dumb. Maybe he was dumb and I was dumb. Maybe what we did is we took a, you know, a very expensive table and turned it into a guitar. Um, but either way, I think he paid $25 for that table. So the investment to do it was cool and the guitar came out great. That was probably my favorite. Uh, and, and that was my favorite and that was my favorite story. And then it was funny, like I said, just a couple months ago, within, you know, within the last month or two, I, w I popped in his guitar and he just happened to be there. And I said hi to him. And I said, do you remember that guitar? And then he's, and we talked about it just briefly because I go, I told him, I go, I still think about that guitar to this day, how cool that was that you did that. Um, Huff Daddy 75, because there were 74 other Huff Daddies, says, happy Friday, Phil. Have 
I have a Vela solid body and it's my favorite guitar, especially the bridge pickup. Just sharing. <laughs> okay. Just wants everybody to know that. He says, I, I made my first repair today, cleaned up the switch contacts and it worked. You know, what's funny is both, uh, both uh, the Velas that I got had 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 three-way switches cleaned with contact cleaner. They were fine after that, but it was kind of funny that they both had that. So I I, I love my Vela. Uh, I did the video comparing the two Velas. I'm not keeping the solid body, and I've talked about this before. It's kind of funny. The solid body uh, plays better. I don't know why. It just rings out. Sometimes guitars just ring out. It rings out a little better, but there's just something about the Vela that's behind me, the white one, the cream, the semi-hollow. Um, what I ended up doing was I, I restring it. I did a setup on it. I've been ABing them left and, you know, left and right. I've been ABing them back and forth, and I've got the white one. I feel 85% sound and playability to the solid body one, and I, I feel like it, it's really great. <laughs> it's a really good guitar. Um and I'm happy with it. So I'm going to keep this uh, semi-hollow and, and the solid body is going to go. Um, I thought about keeping both Velas, but I just I just know, you know, what's going to happen. I'll end up playing the solid body all the time because it plays just a little bit better. And then the semi-hollow won't get played. And then I'll sell the semi-hollow because it's not getting played. And I picked the wrong one. And I really, like I said, especially now that I put that tortoise shell that we picked out on one of the shows on it. So I'm glad you like your Vela. I like my Vela. My Vela is my favorite PRS. It, it, it slowly beat out my Mira, it beat out everything. Um, and in fact, all of my PRSs, I can tell you right now for, uh, I, you know, I've always loved my Mira, but my Mira has been in a gig bag for, I don't know, a long time. I don't think I've pulled it out so far this year because ever since I got the Vela, I love the Vela and I like my PRS SE 22. <laughs> Those are the two I play all the time. I love them. I just bonded with them for some reason. I have no idea <laughs> how to say this name. Uh, I'm going to say, well, the last name is pay, pay. So I'm going to say pay, uh, it says, Hey, Phil, uh, what is the best way to locate and mark where to drill on the body wood mount telly neck pickup? Okay. For precision fit with a vintage style pick guard. Okay. So what he's talking about or what they're talking about is on telly, uh, guitars on telecaster guitars. There are two ways to mount the pickup essentially the telly style pickup, the, uh, the uh, chrome covered pickup. Some, mostly newer style ones, they mount like a traditional pickup, single coil wood, to the pick guard. Unfortunately, uh, the vintage style ones, older ones, mount, there is no screws. A lot of times you don't even notice it. If you look at a vintage reissue Telecaster, you look and there's the neck pickup, but then there's no screws. There's no way to raise and lower. You actually have to take the pickguard off and raise and lower the screws as they're in the body. And then the, they're usually uh, either surgical tubing or springs underneath it, you know, compression, and, and that's how you adjust it. Um, and, uh, uh, <laughs> and the problem is, uh, even if you want to make that one, a uh, pickup mounted pickup. Sometimes they've drilled the hole too big and so your traditional screws don't fit and you have to put uh, nuts behind them. You have to go to uh, Ace Hardware. So to answer your question, here's the trick, the trick I use, um, but I don't know if it's going to be easy for you, but I do swear by it because I've been using it for years. Um, I get that request. I've gotten that request more times than than I can ever remember where somebody says, hey, can, you know, I want this pickup installed and the pickup is a vintage style uh, Telecaster pickup and it has to go underneath the pick guard. No, the screws have to go in the body. What I use is I have a pick guard that has the two screws uh, in it. So in other words, the pick guard's uh, got a route for the single coil pickup and the two holes and I just lay that over it, center it up, put a couple screws in it so hold it in place and then I use my drill go there and I have a depth. I set the depth on it. 
um, which is very straightforward. If you don't have, uh, if you've never done it before, what I would do is go very shallow and then just kind of work it out. You know what I mean? It's a little tricky thing. Off here, I don't, I don't have any measurements. I just kind of generally know the depth. I don't have any like jigs for the depth or anything. You just generally know how far you want to go down. You can tell from the screws. You know, and you can kind of do the math real fast. Like, okay, maybe, maybe you're talking about a quarter inch. You know, you drill a quarter inch in each side, something like that. And I could be wrong. That could be too deep. But I think that's a, maybe maybe eighth inch. You know what I mean? Eighth inch and maybe, you know, to a quarter inch. Um, if you don't have a pick guard with those two holes and you can't borrow one, um, what you can do is, what can you do? You can, see, it kind of stinks because you can put the pickup in the, in the pickup pick guard, but as you lower it in, you got to get, you got to get those two marks. I would really see if you could just find a pick guard with the two holes in it. It's really straightforward and easy if you can. And you can usually find one. And something I suggest is if you have a local repair shop or a store you know and you deal with, you can maybe borrow one from them. Like I said, there's a ton of ways to get one. That's the best way because they'll line up perfectly and they'll go right in there. And it takes seconds to do it that way. Don, uh, just wanted to do super chat to support the channel. I appreciate that, Don. Matthew says, if I... If you have a Les Paul, you have a signature guitar. Yeah, of course. Uh, th yes, of course, there's an argument to that. I think when I did the five things about the Les Paul, there's a reasoning why it's not a signature guitar, and then some people argue it's a signature guitar. I hate those kind of arguments, by the way. Um, not because they're unwinnable, because I always just don't care. I don't care. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I don't like semantics. I don't like the whole, well, technically, it's never been this, because, you know, um, I've said this before, uh, growing up, uh, I grew up by an Air Force base, and I remember growing up, you know, uh, the <laughs> they would always use terms like, the C-5 Galaxy is the largest plane, largest cargo plane in the free world. And then one day you're like, wait a minute. And, you know, you open up your your book of airplanes, and there's a Russian cargo plane. It's bigger. And you're like, wait, I thought the C-5 was the biggest. And they go, well, it's in the free world. See, the Russian one's not in the free world. And I'm like, ah, screw you. Like, <laughs> What's wrong with just saying the C-5 Galaxy is the second largest cargo plane in the world? You know what I mean? I mean, I, I get it. There's some kind of weird pride thing attached to it, but your pride is obviously diminished with the technicality of the crazy loophole you're trying to do. So again, I don't like semantics that way. So, um, so yes, uh, Matthew, I agree with you. To me, the Les Paul is a signature guitar, although technically I've read so many things that why, I forget why, There's and somebody's going to put it in the comments, like, it's not a signature guitar because technically, whatever the hell the reasoning was, it. I, I like I said, I have a video where I explain it, but it's because I read it and explain it, but deep down, I'm like, I didn't care. <laughs> I don't care if it's a signature guitar or not. Uh, to me, it's just like, yeah. I don't, Like I said, I wouldn't care if all my guitars are signature guitars. Who gives a crap? What a weird thing to give a crap about. Again, I get the poser jokes, but like uh, I think Jeff said earlier, we're all posers. That's kind of how I feel, <laughs> right? Very few people are actually trendsetters and cool. Very few. Most people think they are. They're not. <laughs> I'm definitely not a trendsetter. I'm definitely not cool. Um, with my cool dad hat and black t-shirt my and my cool. <laughs> like, right, I just got... So, it, it, again, uh, if it makes you happy, damn, it makes you happy. Uh, okay, so we have... Uh, we have uh, Brosif. I think it's Brosif. Am I reading that right? Brosif says, Hey, Phil, I read on the Ernie Ball forums... Never go to forums. Just kidding. Uh, that the Music Man is long is longer, wait, that music man is longer making the JP6. Why do you think they'd stop building? So no longer making the JP6. Um, 
I don't know if they're no longer making the JP6. I'm just going, you know, obviously you got that off a forum. Who knows if it's accurate. Um, but what I can tell you is uh, I'm not a I'm not versed in the John Petrucci guitars as much as, you know, the, the people who really get into them. Um, but I, I mean, isn't aren't they up to 12 now? J, isn't aren't the JP13 or something? So I would imagine eventually. I think the way I kind of recall this all goes down is they make the John Petrucci models, the JP six and the JP whatever, and then there's a JP ten. I don't, I don't even know if those numbers are sequential. If there's, you know, because there's so many models. When I was interviewing him, I had tons of notes, and even I couldn't keep track. And there's a part of the interview that I removed because it just didn't. It was just me and him. There's a little bit of, there's like 15 minutes of just me and John Petrucci kind of shooting the shit, so to speak, going back and forth on some stuff that didn't matter. And maybe I gave it to the patrons. I can't remember, but it was, but it was this. And I was like, how do you keep track of this stuff? And he was like, oh, it's easy. Cause of course he's creating it. But I was like, yeah, I can't make heads or tails of this all the time. You have to really pay attention. So, uh, I would say if they stopped making it, it was probably cause it's not selling that much or they have something else coming. Or again, um, what I remember about the Petrucci guitars is specifically, especially the JP stuff is that they kind of like iPhones, they kind of keep come out with new ones but then every once in a while there's like one that does really well so it sticks so even though they've like made three or four versions past it they're still making that one maybe time's just gone out for that uh again i i don't know uh my only thing i could tell you is this uh it, based on my experience with guitars if they still if they stop making any kind of guitar model that's been successful in any way it's probably going to hold value or go up in price so if you want one you want to buy one before that happens that's that's you know not as an investment. Don't be that. You know, don't don't do it because I can't I can't guarantee you get investment. It's not about being an investor. It's about do I want to pay somebody used on reverb more than they were going for no, new today? That's really what it comes down to. You might as well get yourself a used one or new one now before that whatever story breaks. Um, unfortunately, I have no connections at Music Man. I've never worked with the Music Man guys in any way, so I couldn't confirm or deny that for you i usually if it's something that a company i've worked with sometimes i have a text i can text somebody and say hey i heard this and they'll confirm it because they know we have the, the show there's just ernie balls is the company i i work with the sterling guys but sterling guys are praxis that's a different company than ernie ball so uh, if you ask me a sterling question i can reach out to praxis but uh, ernie ball i don't have anybody to talk to there uh the juggernaut v2 is <laughs> version two hey phil any rumors of uh, Latiri SE model, um, no rumors, and I would again. I'm just uh, pulling this from you know my my gut. What I think, I would imagine no Latiri model coming SE coming. Uh, look, it, it, it's uh, it's uh, I think I'm okay. I'm cleared now to talk about some of this stuff. As you guys know, I was one of the first channels, you know, the first wave of channels to get the SE, obviously, because my video came out like I put it out like an hour after John Mayer's video came out. Um, so obviously, I had one. And we've talked about it for weeks and weeks before they released. I had one. Um, so uh, they sent me one early. So obviously, you know, I was a little privy to some information. Um, one of the things I, I was that was kind of explained to me, uh, again, through communication, not as like it was a something to put out there on the Internet, but I don't think it, I don't think it matters now, which is um, uh, my understanding is months, if not a half a year, they were they spent months uh, building SEs before the announcement. So those SE Silver Skies that they had that ran out, and I guess I've heard now they're sold out till May um, as a whole. You know what I mean? Uh, I've heard different stories. I think Sweetwater's saying May. Somebody told me a dealer said next year because, again, it depends on how many the dealer ordered and what they're getting allocation for them. But my, my point of this is, is um, 
what probably feels like what we've seen over and over again the last two years where a company announces a new product and doesn't have it, that's not what I got from the SE, okay? Um, what I can tell you, because I put affiliate links on my SE video to Sweetwater, so I saw how many you guys bought, um, it felt like, and again, I didn't sell them all out at Sweetwater, but I feel like based on what I saw in numbers-wise, my guess is Sweetwater probably had 100 deep of each color. That's probably what they had stock of, and then they ran out. So 400 SEs, Silver Skies. I could be wrong. Could be 500 each. Could be 50 each. But that's my guess. 100 each, something like that. And um, some dealers got one of each. Some dealers got two of each. Right. Some dealers ordered 10 of each, but only got sent two or one or two of each. Um, so my point is, uh, is that uh, this. Bef I would imagine not a lot of SE guitars are coming out before the summer or, or until the summer or after summer, because I'm sure it's, again, to do that, to re release another product run, they would have to allocate time in the factory. And I'm sure all the S all that court time right now is going to those SEs, uh, Silver Skies. So that would be my guess. And I bet you uh, it's, just, it's a, let's just call it an educated guess. And I think it's, I think it's pretty accurate. I would be shocked. And of course, tomorrow they'll just, <laughs> to prove me wrong, they're like, Leteria SE comes out tomorrow. But like I said, I would be shocked to see uh, any, any, any SEs, especially anything that's going to compete with the John Mayer Silver Sky. I think like, I think a Leteria SE is probably definitely a 2023, 2024 product uh, for sure. And that's even if the market continues to slow. The market's been slowing continuously uh, is what I've seen. And again, I've said this before and I've, I, over and over again. Uh, the market slowing isn't a sign of anything negative yet because we were doing, I like this, we were doing 125 miles an hour in a 75 zone. I think we're doing probably 100 miles an hour now in a 75 zone. Maybe we're down to 90, 95 miles an hour. But either way, we're speeding. So that means there's still people buying guitars like crazy, but not anything close to what they were doing just a year ago today. A year ago today, which was already down from a year ago before that. Um, we are not where we were a year ago. They're not They're not buying the guitars. You can see it. You can see it by inventory increasing here and there. You can see it by the used markets definitely increased. If you look on Reverb, the used market on Reverb, the guitars are way, there's way more. Uh, a year ago today, if you wanted a, uh, a, a Tremonti PT, or PT, is that right? MT-15 amp, there was one used one and no used ones. And now there's, I don't know, last I looked, there was 20 you could probably buy. So, I mean, again, we're seeing it more and more um, as inventory comes back in stock and demand kind of slows. Everything's kind of leveling out a little bit on our side. Um, and uh, we'll, I'll continue to watch it and we'll talk about it on the show because, again, um, Grumpy Mike Guitar said, what does he want to know? He wants to say, do you have any Sharp My Axe projects coming? Cheers. Um, I do. I do have some Sharp My Axe projects coming. Keep in mind, like I said, I've kind of morphed a little bit of the Sharp Max vibe into all the review videos. That was kind of what ended up happening because it just seemed to make sense. The idea with Sharp Max, to me, that is different than the normal tutorial style video of like, this is how you add a bridge or this is how you install tuning keys, was Sharp Max was always like, it was like an entertainment video that just had information in it. One of the complaints about Sharp Max that I've gotten over the years is exactly that. People are like, I remember you did this, but now I can't find it because there's no, like, if you if you type in on YouTube, Phil McKnight, you know, this repair, nothing comes up because it's in it's in a 30-minute Sharp Max video is where I did all this stuff, and uh, it's just not accessible for search. And so I go, okay, what we'll do is we'll just constantly you know, bring it up on when there's opportunities on the, on the review videos. So that's why review videos, if there's an opportunity to show you something, I show you. Um, 
And then specifically, we have SharpMax videos as we go, but SharpMax videos have been, like everything, plagued with uh, parts issues. You know what I mean? I've been plagued with parts issues. Think about this. I have a SharpMax video. This is not... I wish this was made up because it would just... I don't know. <laughs> it's just sound, It's going to sound horrible. I have a SharpMax guitar that I've had now for over a year because uh, the pickups are still on back order. I ordered the pickups and they're still been... I've been waiting a year for these pickups. And I thought we thought about changing it. Like, why don't we do something else? But the whole point of this video is these pickups. This theme that we can't execute on. So, I don't know. In fact, I have... Uh, I do have a... Uh, I don't know why I'm telling you this because it's not going to mean anything to you guys. I have a Sharpen Max, like one or two guitars that I'm Sharp Max that we I'm finishing up right now. There'll be no videos. I just did it. <laughs> it's like kind of like I just did it for for somebody and 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 maybe I might have some some just some footage and discussion of it and then throw it out there on the something maybe on the second channel. We'll see. But yeah, we'll see. Uh, Brandon says, "Hey Phil, I love the show. I'm going. I'm going digital. All right." He goes, and I wanted to know your thoughts on the Line 6 Go Pro, a uh, Pod Go, <coughs> excuse me, and the Head Rush 112 200 watt amp. I think, uh, yeah, he's talking about the FRFR powered speaker. Uh, thanks for everything you do. Sure. Um, essentially, what you're doing is, you know, in my opinion, if you get the Pod Go and you run it through an FRFR, you're going to have something that's technically close to some kind of digital modeled amp. Essentially, that's what you're creating. You have a digital brain, which is your go, your pod go, and then you have uh, some kind of class D power amp section, which is 200 watts, and through some kind of FR, which is some kind of flat response speaker, which is kind of what I find is in a lot of the, a lot of the digital uh, combo amps is some kind of speaker that's not flat response, but again, it's not designed to add to the tones. It's trying to replicate the tones that are on the amp. Um, what I like about this is this idea that you're doing is it's essentially not super expensive to do it this way. And it's like a semi-custom, uh, you get the vibe of being like a semi-custom amplifier doing this way. Um, sure. I like the idea also because one of the things I like to do with these powered speakers and my digital um, products like the HX Stomp or you know Kempers or whatever, is I like to integrate analog stuff with them. There's something really cool about that. I've I've had lots of fun with fun with that. When you integrate like an analog preamp and then you put digital effects and digital uh, FR, uh, IRs with it and stuff, it's really cool. You get like something fun. Again, like I said, it's not about is that as good as a tube amp. I'm like it's not about that for me. It's I want to be inspired, and sometimes trying something like that inspires you with different sounds and different ideas. Um, so I like your idea. Sounds fun. Uh, Bill's uh, question is, uh, any, any idea for beer episodes? Yes. Hold on. He says, viewers drinking game, uh, is, uh, you take a sip when Phil makes a analogy or says my screen jumped, uh, fun for the great show. Oh, there's a ton of things you could, if you could make a drinking game out of the show, I'm sure. Um, the beer episodes, like I said, the plan was to do, uh, one at, at the end of every month. And of course, then I got sick and now I'm trying to, to make up that one, but again, it won't be this week. It'll be the first week I feel... 100%. You know I mean, and like I said, we'll do it. I already have a cool, I, I somebody, one of you guys sent me Rush, the beer from the band Rush. Uh, somebody else sent me some other beer too, but I, I don't know what it is. I put it in the fridge and I haven't looked at it because again, it's all just sitting in the fridge. I have the Iron Man beer. I'm going to be doing uh, the, uh, somebody suggested the uh, 
I think it's 19 Murders Wine by Snoop Dogg, and then uh, which is a rosé, and then uh, the guitar, the guitar uh, Maynard from Tool has a, a winery here in Arizona, and I got one of his bottles of his wine. And so the idea would be to do one episode a month or so of kind of like, hey, I will, I'll drink this thing and we can talk about it while we're doing this podcast because uh, it seemed to have fun. But like I said, once I'm back 100%. Miguel says, hey, Phil, I just got... What he just got? He just got a Hagstrom, okay, Phantom, Phantomin, Phantomin, uh, custom, and it needs. I need some tips polishing the stainless steel frets. Um, do you use the same items you would with nickel? Yes. Look for stainless steel frets. You don't need anything special. You could still just use uh, everything that you use for um, nickel is what you use. I don't use any special tools for stainless steel, and. Uh, my friends that build custom guitars and are also working factories doing stainless steel still ha- uh, using the same stuff I'm using according to when I have when I talk to them because we you know you're just anytime you do something you kind of talk to people do what you do too and vice versa so no I don't think you need anything special um, you usually it's the only thing I'll tell you is this one thing I want to be aware of see stainless steel is a tricky thing because stainless steel doesn't mean everything right there there's different grades of stainless steel but also um sometimes again when you talk about polishing it that's fine but if it's cruddy one of the things i will tell you is i had an issue with a guitar company uh about a year or two ago because they sent a guitar that said it had stainless steel frets but it was all cruddy and we went through it and we what we figured out was it wasn't stainless steel frets the company didn't know this (laughs) we went back and forth on it and then they uh that one kind of backfired on me what happened was they said well i think we sent you the wrong one and i gave them the benefit of the doubt uh we sent it back and then they never sent a replacement and then they never responded to emails so i'm like okay well um if i would have known that's how it went down i would have just done the video and kind of let people know but uh, it's this day i don't know you know because again during covid i don't know what the hell happened with them but to back to your thing is if you're polishing them to polish them yeah use whatever you got if they're polishing because they're cruddy you might want to take a look at that because again stainless steel shouldn't get cruddy like nickel does there shouldn't be corrosion on it um in my experience voodoo fist says hey phil any upcoming guitar amp pedal videos that you are working on that you can tell us about sure <laughs> uh i absolutely can uh I don't know why you'd want to know because the downfall of knowing is, let me go, I'm pulling up the screen, sorry, uh, is that uh, I can't tell you, I can't tell you because I don't know because it depends on how fast I get certain ones done and which ones edit. And um, But what I can tell you what's coming, I just can't tell you when it's when it's coming. So I have a video with the 304 guitars. You guys, if you guys saw Daryl Braun did a video for these guys. They're in Canada. They make guitars with a solid stainless steel fretboard and frets very cool i'm doing a comparison video that video will probably be in a week um i have a glary versus donner video that i'll be releasing comparing uh essentially and the reason i'm doing that is because glary and donner of course are hitting everybody the hardest with advertising if you guys go out there you know you just constantly see those guys and they're ba- making expensive guitars and i thought it'd be a cool video to compare like the 75 dollars glary to the 200 dollars donner to see like is there a value in that um it's it's just more fun and actually it was for my curiosity more than anything else um I have a Firefly acoustic. I've done two videos for Firefly. Um, it's a tough thing to do because it's an inexpensive guitar, and sometimes people complain in the comments, but yet it gets the highest amount of views <laughs> anytime you do inexpensive guitars. And it's an acoustic. This one, I 
think is $150 acoustic or something. Very inexpensive. So I thought that would be a cool thing to talk about for, especially for guitar players, electric players that are looking for uh, more of affordable acoustics. I have uh, the PRS Custom 2408 S2 video. Some of you guys may have seen that guitar hanging in a thing uh, uh, in the background. That will That's coming up. Uh, Taurus pedals that are made in pe Poland. I have a video of two of their pedals coming. This Those I have not filmed yet. Uh, one is a, a cool thing that I, you know, you'll see uh, that I really dig, especially if you're into single coils and you love single coils and hate single I think it's like the perfect pedal if you love and hate single coils at the same time, which is kind of sometimes my relationship with single coils. And then, of course, their new pedal amp or a pedal amp there thing. I'm doing the Tone King Amp Imperial 2 uh, review, which is a head and cabinet because um, I, I got one, and so I want to share with you guys and my thoughts on it, especially since they're so expensive and a lot of you, uh, you know, are asking about it. And, um, and uh, I have a Vintage Tone pedal video coming. I have this. I'm just looking at a list. I have a list of all this stuff. Some of the stuff I'm looking at says edit, needs to edit. I have notes on my little to-do sheets. Needs to edit, needs to film, needs to work out. Sometimes I have to work out the, you know, what the hell I'm going to do. Um, Dario sent pedal board videos. I think if you go to Ola's channel, Ola England, you can see that video if you want, if you're curious. Because I think they told me and a ton of channels not to release those videos until March. But then I saw Ola's came out, but I'm still going to adhere to what they asked uh, because they don't have product. <laughs> so i mean if i put it out uh, you don't have anything until march um i have a valiant uh bass video including uh soon but not super soon uh i don't have an eta on this but we will be doing a limited edition uh valiant valiant bass for the channel and uh this is the teaser of it of course um what i can tell you is behind me is one of the prototypes and so you do with it what you want it's a bass but it's a 27-inch scale base, and the idea is we're trying to build um, a fun, limited run of cool, a cool base, cool color, um, obtainable, right? Notice I didn't say affordable, <laughs> okay? Uh, obtainable. Um, uh, obtainable meaning, you know, not $2,000. You know what I mean? It's not going to be crazy. It's just not going to be that crazy expensive. It's just not going to be cheap. But what's cool about it is... is uh, it's the idea is to build a bass that feels exactly like a guitar, but sounds like a bass. So for those of you that want to record at home and always wanted a nice high-end quality instrument bass, this, this is it. Um, uh, what else? Uh, new PRS acoustic amp, uh, our acoustic amp, sorry, new PRS acoustic with new effect uh, uh, pickups in it. Um, I haven't looked at it. I have it downstairs because uh, the week I got sick, I was supposed to do a podcast with uh, somebody from Fishman and somebody from PRS to talk about these new pickups. And of course, I was sick, so we, we had to cancel the podcast. So we'll be doing a bonus podcast with them talking about it. Uh, what else do I see here? I see uh, two Sire guitar videos. Those will be coming out soon too. So the more Sire guitar videos. Very cool. Those I'm just giving you the review videos because that's what you asked about. So, and a custom pedal board uh, video. So, and that's just the name. I can keep going. That's how many, that's why a lot of you guys, I, uh, I saw some of the comments earlier. A lot of you guys reach out and you're like, I really appreciate you guys. You're like, hey, if you ever need this, I'll loan you this guitar. I'll loan you that. My problem is, uh, I'll tell you guys now, I, th I think I've been very clear about this, especially over the last year or two. Um, my workload is far surpassed what I can physically do. I'm, I'm constantly trying not to overextend myself. <laughs> which is very tough. Um, uh, this week alone, I probably said no to four companies. Physically, I just can't do it. I just can't. I can't make the content. Um, there's just, 
And it's not, and, and a lot of you guys, uh, thank you, a lot of you guys offer like, hey, if you need editing help, if you need help, that's not the problem. The problem is burnout. I, I like being excited about the guitars. I like being excited about doing videos. I do not want to make five videos a day and parse them out every day um, because I've tried it a couple of times. I've tried to do more videos. And when I increase my workload of videos, what I find is, is I burn out and then the videos are just like, mechanical to me it's just i'm not enjoying it and if i don't enjoy it uh, you know like they say if you're not enjoying it you need to stop so <laughs> amanda says i'm just exhausted just hearing about it yeah it's like i said it's a lot of stuff and there's more stuff because again like i said when i said i had a ton of zoom calls meetings this week all those meetings were for new those are everything i told you guys is either something i filmed or i have to i have to edit or it's physically here but i have tons of stuff that is coming to um, somebody says you need an apprentice. Eh, like I said, I'm happy. I'm, I, I, like I said, I'd like to increase the workload a little bit. I slowed down a little bit because of, you know, being sick. Uh, the cold kind of wipes me out, you know, each day, but, um, but there you go. Let's get back to the, let's get back to what you guys want to talk about. Okay. Don's question. Have, he wants to know if I've used, used and pushed the line six spider v amps using a spider remote apps on a phone tablet or computer no you know what i haven't and i, I tell you i made this resolution in 2021 and I, and I lied to myself my resolution in 2021 was, was never going to do any more app videos and i wasn't going to talk about any products that have apps um i'm actually so pissed about apps you know i i, I um <laughs> i had to buy a, uh well, i didn't have to my son got a uh, electric electric toothbrush and um the new ones, I don't know if you've seen the new ones. They're weird, man. If you haven't done it, the old ones, you know, he's like, right. The new ones are like a bee. Like they, they're intense and they really clean your teeth. So I was so excited. And, uh, so I go, okay, I got to buy an electric toothbrush, you know, right. He was telling me what, how, why it's cool. And I was like, all right, cool. And like half the electric toothbrushes now have an app on your phone. And I was like, I'm not buying a damn toothbrush with an app i just can't do it my grill i bought a weber grill and it has an app and i was like this is stupid it tell you know i'll tell you the temperature in the house and i'm sure some of you guys love it i'm sick of apps i'm done i'm just burnt out i don't want any apps i figure the only app i need in my life right now for me personally is like the uber app maybe and uh <laughs> i don't know maybe that's it I, so, um, so to answer your question, Don, I just, I've got to, it's going to be really tough for me to get an app video on the channel right now. Um, because, uh, again, I'm just, I'm just really not, I'm, I, one of the problems I have being on this platform, YouTube slash podcast is that people assume that cause I do this, I must be into social media. I cannot, uh, I cannot physically make myself as hard as I try. I've said this before. I said this is, and you guys even called me out on it, which is hilarious. I said, if you see me post on Instagram, it's because I'm bored to death. And I posted something on Instagram and everybody's like, oh, you must be bored today. And I was like, yeah, I shouldn't have said that to you guys because now you guys know that I'm bored. What I mean, bored is not the right word. I have to force myself on those platforms. I have to force myself on Facebook. I don't, I just don't, um, I just don't like my phone. I've just never been a phone person. Like I don't like being on my phone. I like making videos on YouTube and talking every week on this podcast, uh, YouTube platform, uh, and interacting. I like doing that, but I do not like, uh, 
social media. And I, what I mean by that is I don't even like, I don't mean I don't like watching it because I don't, I don't like putting it on it. So again, so that's where the problem with apps, everything that brings me to my phone is I find my phone is where all my stress in my life comes from. <laughs> because um, to me, uh, like I said, I'm a, I'm a small businessman, which means I phone calls and texts and emails are work. That's 90% of the stuff that is coming in is work. The more I'm on my phone, the more I'm working. Phone is work to me. So I try not to, to be on the phone for personal time because personal time immediately turns into work time. I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm complaining. I don't mean to be complaining. I'm very lucky to do what I do for a living and last this long on all the ways I've done it. But so that's my long answer to say I'm not going to do anything with an app. And in fact, I had a company reach out today. They got they need they want to tell me about a new exciting product. I'm actually excited about hearing about it. Uh, there's an NDA, but I got a feeling they're going to it's going to be an app. So if it's an app, I'm not going to do it. Uh, because my 2022 resolution is no apps on the channel. Uh, Ross said thoughts on the Gibson SG versus SG standard 61 versus Epiphone 61. Uh, what are my thoughts? I like all SGs. <laughs> Absolutely. I own three SGs. I love them all. The SG is my favorite guitar. Uh, 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 I favorite guitar in the way it plays, the way it sounds. I love it. I absolutely love it. Um, I have an SG with two P90s in it. It's in the it's in my bedroom. I literally play it every night. Um, that's the guitar I play. I plug in that right into my Princeton, and I play for about 20, 30 minutes before I go to bed. I, and no, very rarely do I have a pedal or anything. It's just that amp, clean with that SG. Um, I got nothing to say about SGs. And so, you know, everybody who has anything negative to say about SGs, I agree with every negative thing about the SG 100%. They're top heavy. They're ugly. Everything you're going to say, I agree with you. I just love the way they sound and I love the way they feel. <laughs> so, um, so there you go. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, Jazz Flounder says too much social media lately. I'm making an effort to cut back. You know, you know what it is for me. It's I don't mind social media in the way that, and again, I don't want to be on this uh, box, you know, soapbox, but I just want to be clear so there's no confusion. I'm not really upset, or I don't really disinterested in like what people post or you know all the things that people talk about. I'm really disinterested in uh, these algorithms that suggest the stuff to me. Cause I find it's just, it's just not what I'm interested in. So, um, and I find I do, I'm my worst enemy on those platforms. When it means somebody will put something stupid, I'll click on it cause I'm curious and dumb. And then because I clicked on it, the algorithm just punishes me for the next two days with more stupid stuff. <laughs> no matter how much I say, don't suggest this. So, uh, G Wayne, G Wayne, that's my way I'm reading that says, can you recommend 10 foot cables to run from radial AB box, uh, to amps looking for best bang for the buck. Enjoy your content. Some of my favorite guitar cables for the price. And again, let me look right now before I speak, because one of the problems now with all the inflation and the changes in the market is, um, <laughs> is that sometimes the thing that you rely on a year ago is not the thing you should be suggesting because it's the opposite. Um, I, I'm going to look right now. Yes. So there is probably a better cable and a better deal, uh, you know, out there, but I will show you, I'm gonna show you right now. This is one of my favorite cables for the price. 
This is the Didario PWPW stand for Planet Waves. They used to be called Planet Waves. Now they're Didario. I don't. I think Didario has effectively uh, pushed out Planet Waves as a brand name. Um, this is a ten foot. It's called the ten foot American Stage Cable. These are made in New York. These are actually made in New York cables. Um, now uh, they got the gold tip end, they, all the things. But here's what I thirty two ninety nine. They're way more expensive than they used to be. Used to be able to pick these up for twenty five bucks. Thirty two dollars is a lot of money, but it's not insane. Um, I think if so, and for you others that are looking, I think uh, like most cables, as you go up in size, it doesn't let you see. How weird. They're out of product of stock. Uh, usually as you go up in size, oh yeah. See, if you go up in size, it doesn't go up a huge amount. Like it went up for five more feet, you went up, you know, seven more bucks. But um, these cables are really good. Here's why I recommend them, okay? This is the important part of the recommendation. Uh, they have never sent me any of those free cables for free. Um, I have not bought a single Daddario cable. I haven't bought a Daddario cable since... And I'm, this is going to be a guess, but I'll promise I'll get you in the right ballpark. 2014. That's probably the most recent I could have ever bought a Daddario cable. Maybe 2015. But So the reason I'm telling you that is all my Daddario cables are fantastic. Good cables, quality quality put together. You know what I mean? Good, good. You could probably get a deal if you go out there and look. I don't know if sweet, I just go to Sweetwater because I knew they had it in stock. Um, uh, but uh, uh, that's the cable I recommend. I like um, Megami cables. I like uh, 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 Klotz cables. There's a ton of cables I like. I like the Paul Reed Smith cables. There's a lot of cables I like, especially the ones with the red, the red Switchcraft breakers on them. Our Neutrik, I think, uh, breakers. Where they, I love those. But to me, if you're looking for a quality cable, here's the the thing I'm going to tell you. And again, things can change. And the information I could, could give to you is dated, okay? But I'm going to tell you something that I like about Daddario cables. The quality is very good, okay? Like I said, the price is, I want to say reasonable. I don't know, you know what I mean? If $33 is still a lot of money. But what I will tell you is when you buy this cable, you do not have to keep the package. Cut the barcode out, okay, of the packaging. I mean, if you want to keep the package, do that. Cut the barcode out. I'm pretty sure, and I'm going to look to, see, to make sure that they haven't changed anything. It says, uh, let's see, made in the USA, da 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 quick tips. Um, you have to look, because again, companies can change specifications, but they were guaranteed for life. Um, what sucks is, I, uh, some of you, so I'm trying to look, and it usually will be on the packaging, but you keep the barcode, so if you ever have a problem with the cable, which fixing a cable you don't need. A warranty work, by the way, but you can just do it yourself. But it's nice to know that if you contact a Dario um, and say, hey, I have one of these cables and it's bad. I've never had that problem, by the way, ever. But if you did, they would replace this cable. They'll ask you for the, the barcode and the information and um, and it's lifetime. So I don't think you have to have a receipt even because it's lifetime on the cable. Um, now, what I don't see is on the on the on the uh, Sweetwater page where it says that. So again, some of you might want to go and find physically a picture of the packaging to see if that hasn't been changed. You know, like I said, that's part of the problem. Things changed. Um, I don't know. <laughs> I'm. Sh I can tell you this: the ones I bought say it on the packaging, and I would hold them to it. And I've had enough experience with that company that they would take. I know they would take care of me. You know what I mean? I, I've had so many uh, great experiences with them as a as a customer. Uh, 
I don't have any problems. So that's a c cable I would recommend. It's good quality. I like them. Um, so that's a come. And if you guys have great suggestions too, put those out there too. Like I said, Hosa, some of you guys are saying Hosa, Ernie Ball. Sure. There's great, like I said, I can't say that these cables are better than anything else. I'm just telling you, I've had them now for, you know, 10 years, you know, some of them for longer than 10 years. And, um, and I've said this before, I am not nice to cables. I don't baby cables. I don't do anything you're supposed to. I've just, you know, I'm abusive. <laughs> I loan them out to people, <laughs> throw them in the back of my truck. And I, I just don't care. Um, okay. So, um, next, what do we got? Next subject, next question. Let's see what we got. We got something. I'm sure we do. We have, we have Rose. No, don't listen to me. Let's go back. We have, oh, uh, again, I don't want to butcher your first name, but the last name's Pei. Uh, says, hey, Phil, thanks for answering my question. I, I am a mechanical engineer and I own a CNC and mechanical and a mechanical machine shop for work. Awesome. Uh, making a guitar is a side hobby. My name is, uh, okay, so he's giving me the thing. It's, uh, I want to say Yuang Chow, Yang Chow. I'm going to say that's right. Uh, he gave me the phonetics and I'm probably still messing up. Yang Chow. Um, uh, but uh, very cool. That's very cool that you're, that you have a machine shop. It, look, if you have a machine shop, oh man, that's, that's the thing that's dying in this world. <laughs> like I said, especially in the guitar communities. You know how many guitar factories don't have a machine shop anymore? I mean, like most of them don't have anything. They're just buying all the parts now. Uh, Drew says, hey, Phil, I had a Line 6 pod go fail to load mid-set at a gig. Heartbreaking found out it's a known flaw. This uh, information seems uh, suppressed by the big guitar YouTube channels. Mm, okay, uh, let, me, let me keep it going. Uh, could you offer any thoughts? Um, and I, I have no experience with that product in, in detail to, to tell you for sure. I haven't had that experience. However, I'm not shocked to hear that experience. Uh, my experience with those products, everything from TC Electronics uh, to uh, Nux um, to Line 6, is that essentially those products, in my experience, those digital products, what it's happening is, is that they load in the information. And to us, to us, those products are, even though we're, we're calling them digital, to us in our brains, we're almost like they're analog. It's a, it's a, no, it's a pedal with knobs and it's, and, uh, it's not, it's essentially a, a computer. And so, um, I've seen line six products for sure. I've seen line six. I've seen, uh, like I said, TC electronic products. These are personal experiences, uh, new X or Nux, whatever you want to call it. New X products. I'm trying to think who else. Um, those are three. I'm trying, there's probably another one too. Um, where physically they've done exactly that. They glitch out. They do something weird. Um, most of the time you have to plug them into your computer and re-image them. And sometimes you get to save all your presets and sometimes they want you to go back to factory presets. Um, so, so, uh, Drew, it doesn't shock me to hear this at all, uh, from, from line six. Um, I mean, keep in mind, you know, these products are not far removed from inexpensive blenders and expensive remote controls and calculators. I mean, essentially, it's just a company making a product that does a job as cheap as they can physically make this thing so they can sell it as cheap as they physically can. Um, what I will tell you is, is that um, although I have a trust in solid state amplifiers, which I do, I, I just very rarely in my life had a solid state product goes 
<laughs> crazy on me or south and shut down. What I can tell you is digital products to me are like tube amps to me in the idea that if it really matters, in other words, if you don't want to be standing on stage looking at either 13,000 people or 13 people while your crap's gone south on you, I would have a backup. That's, uh, that's you know, especially that stuff. That's the downfall of that stuff is that, you know, if you're going to buy an inexpensive digital product, you need to be prepared to have a backup because of that exact thing. Think about this. Uh, a surge in power could make them just error out and do crazy things. And again, this isn't, this isn't, uh, what is it? What is, I'm not making excuses for these companies. I'm explaining that's the downfall of that stuff. Um, so yeah, I'm not shocked by your comment. Um, and I, uh, and then your second part was like YouTube channels are suppressing it. Eh, I don't know. Cause I don't know what channels you're talking about and what they're saying. Um, I don't know what channels, I mean, uh, again, every channels, not every channel is different, but channels make money and do things different ways. And some channels literally live on, uh, and very, a lot of them are up front to tell you they live on company, you know, sponsorship, you know, every video has got to be sponsored by a company. Um, and, um, which makes total sense to me. I mean, it does. I, I've talked about this before. I'll tell you guys this over and over again. Just, uh, if I, I think I did, I don't even want to think, I want to tell you for sure. So I'm not guessing, uh, to give you a reference when a company sends me a product to do a video. I mean, even if that video, I, I had one recently just happen. And that's why it's a good reference to give you a reference of what it takes. Okay. So Sweetwater sent out the IK, uh, multimedia pedals to me. Uh, and I did a video February 2nd, that video has 10,380 views. Okay. Um, then I did another video that was, I would say independent. In other words, I paid for the product. I didn't have any company interaction. That video has 80, same week, 80,254 views. So I got 70,000 more views. When you do the math, the video that got 80,000 views, I made 10% of what I made just having Sweetwater sponsor a video. So it was a huge successful difference. Um, well, that's maybe I'm exaggerating. Maybe it was more like it was double, right? So in other words, uh, the Sweetwater, because Sweetwater sent out the product, the product having value, maybe it was double what the 80,000 of you did. That's why I pepper that stuff in. You know what I mean? Try to like keep it going with like, here's an independent video. Like I just did the, uh, the, um, um, Dean's Linsky guitar that's got 55,000 views. You got to understand there's no way mathematically that's ever going to work ever. Um, and, and nor did I think it was, and nor did I worry about it, but I just want a reference to that um, uh, and explain the logic of my my decisions in my channel, okay? Um, the, I'm going to go to it. Um, let's pull the analytics. So... That video has 55,000 views. It pulled in $225.97 because uh, ad rates are up. Interaction was high. In other words, it's not how many views you get. It's how much people you guys really watch a lot of that video. $225, um, which is really good for that many views uh, for my channel. Uh, but the guitar cost me $1,400. So technically, I'm still in the hole $1,150, right? Not complaining, just explaining that, you know, every channel has a different mathematic of, of doing this. So I kind of, like I said, pepper that stuff in. So to, to answer your question, yes, if there's a channel that's specifically saying like, yes, uh, Line 6 is supporting us and they're, they're sponsoring us, they might be just waiting from talking about the negative. 
not my experience. Most channels, even that are get sponsors, try to be as open about stuff. Um, they just disclose that, hey, man, I'm working with these companies, so I got to tell you that. Uh, I have no company that is is that I work with that has any any financial effect. I could stop working with any com all companies tomorrow, and it would change nothing in my bottom line for the year. Like as just looking at last year's numbers, uh, company interactions, products, all that stuff, it didn't even equate to four percent of my total revenue uh, for for the year. So again, it's and I do that strategically. I try to work with companies because that gives me more access to more gear for more videos, but I also don't want them to be, I don't want them to be my, my boss. Cause like I said, if you want to be my boss, you're going to, I want medical and dental and a 401k, <laughs> whatever that is. I want one of those. Some of you guys know what that is. So rock daddy says, are you selling the Zelensky? Yes. The Zelensky will sell. Uh, of course, anytime I do a video where I, I bought the guitar, um, 90% of the time you'll see me flip it uh, for some percentage of what I can get for it to move on. And the way I do that is I've said that very clearly. I'm not looking to make money on it. Usually I sell it a loss. Like I said, you guys know I paid 1400 for the guitar. Um, and then the case is an additional 140 bucks. I'm hoping to get about 1200 for the guitar in case, you know, and stuff. Uh, 12, meaning somebody give me 12 for it. And then I'll net maybe 11 out of that. And that's fine. As you guys saw, I got $225. And if you factor in, the, I think, another month of the video, I think I'll break even on that. But we got a video on the channel. You guys seem to like it. It got me some subscribers, which got me some new interest. Patrons supported it. And and uh, like I said, salt and pepper that stuff in. Uh, and then in a couple more videos, I'll have another Sweetwater video or something like that. It's just how you got to do it. It's uh, <laughs> not old. Jermaine Vintage says, my 401k lost 12% last month. Yeah. I understand. <laughs> uh, Phil's, ESL says Phil's 401k is a Gibson. Well, I have an IRA. I mean, I have that. I'm just saying like 401ks are like I used to be, you know, had a corporate job many, 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 many decades ago. No, a long time ago. And I remember like the 401k and they, they match stuff. And now all those days are gone. And uh, I would never go back. And le so um, the... Uh, Okay, so let's let's do this. What are we going to talk about now? Um, uh, Hector wants to know if there's any update. We talked last week about doing a, a practice amp video. No update because I've just now been collecting the information. I um, copy-paste your guys' comments into a, a sheet that I have here, a copy-paste sheet. I post everything over uh, for suggestions. And um, a lot of you guys said Yamaha, a lot of you guys stuff. I, I'm probably going to pick three amps and do a shootout. A lot of channels done that, of course. Um, but one of the things I know is uh, just like me, just like you guys, sometimes because you've seen two or three other channels do it doesn't mean you don't want to see another one from another channel. You may have a different perspective. So I, I plan to do that. I'm really curious too. Plus, I'm in kind of in the market. I kind of want a new practice amp. Like I said, I like my Spark. But, you know, maybe there's something out there better, you know. Um, I'd really like to find something that doesn't have a damn app. <laughs> uh uh, Alan says, where will you sell the Zelensky? It's on Reverb right now. I'm pretty sure it's on Reverb right now. If not, it can be. Um, um, I don't know if there's a link uh, to the Reverb store, my Reverb store, but if there's not, I'll make sure when I'm doing the timestamps, I'll put the link right around now. Uh, let's see. 
And a lot of you, by the way, sometimes you guys just send me an email saying, hey, I like that video you did. Are you going to sell that? A lot of times I don't. You know what I mean? I don't sell the gear because maybe I'm attached to it. Or like I said, sometimes a company sent it out and I was like, oh, I kind of dig it. And it was something I negotiated front. A lot of times when a company sends something out, I'm really curious about it. You know what I mean? So um, I have, I'll have a discussion with the company like, hey, if I like it, I'd like to keep it. And in that agreement, I don't, I don't sell it because of that. That was part of the agreement. Um, I'm selling the Shiji Gold Telly. I think that's on Reverb right now. And a perfect example, if you watch that video, you know exactly why, because I thought the cheaper one was better. But uh, obviously I'm selling the gold one for the price of the cheaper one. So I think for the same price, the gold one's better, but I, I like the blue one and I, I'm going to keep that one. Okay. Some of you guys' questions. Luke says, <clears throat> I go, I'm going to answer this question just for the funniness of it. Luke wants to know if I would play uh, bass for Steel Panther if they asked. Uh, Luke, uh, first, it's not about how uh, well or not well I play bass. It's, uh, man, would I have to diet to get into some spandex? It would be a, uh, it would be a horrible... That's First of all, I think I've, I've lost about uh, 16 or 17 pounds, may, maybe a little bit more. And because uh, I'm, I've ditched it, you know, I'm ditching the COVID weight uh, and <laughs> the COVID, you know, the being the last two years and uh, sitting around the house and donuts and beer and being locked out, you know, locked in from, from the world. Um, <laughs> but geez, you know, you know, you know how far you have to go to get into spandex. That's the, really, that's the thing. I just would never want to wear spandex. So. So no. Uh, yeah, somebody says, if I take the, the gig with Steel Panther, I'll need a wig, a fan, and a pink vanity mirror. No, I need a wig, a serious diet of insanity. <laughs> I'd never be able to eat a carb again, <laughs> ever. <laughs> uh, so here you go. Um, I don't know. Uh, somebody, uh, uh, somebody was saying, uh, I should take a look at the Vox, uh, I Vox. Yep. And the GT got all the suggestions. Like I said, keep suggesting the practice amps you guys want to see, but I've got most of them now. And like I said, I'll probably pick the three most requested or the most interesting and just compare those. Um, oh, unfreaking says that he checked and it doesn't look like it's posted on reverb. Um, hold on a second. Since we're right here right now, what I can do is nope there do that ah edit hold on a second all things are fixed cool the Dean Zelensky guitar, so you know, is really cool. I, as you guys know, I talked about, you guys talked about, you know, how cool it would be, and I talked about buying one. And uh, it's really cool. I really liked it way more than I ever anticipated. My anticipation was I would go, eh, uh, I actually dug it. But here's the problem for me with guitars. First of all, like I said, I buy the guitar for the video, and then I made the video, so now it's got to go. But the trick is, and I've said this many times over, if a guitar, like the Valiant guitar is a perfect example. The Valiant guitar was sent to me. The The fact that it was sent to me versus I bought it isn't, is irrelevant to me. What's relevant to me is no guitar that, I've, that, that comes to me that I keep 
I like I don't increase the size of my collection. I, I, I just can't, like I said, physical room. So to keep the Valiant guitar, some other guitar has to go. And so the Dean Slinsky guitar is not about whether I like it or not. It's about, am I willing to let go of a guitar right now to, to get, to keep it? And I'm just not right now. Cause I really like the guitars I have. So, all right. Um, I watched Stuff 6 as the V-neck was a deal breaker for me. I thought for sure. Like, I've never, I don't think I've ever played a V-neck I like. That is the only V-neck I've ever played that I liked it. <laughs> and, and again, it couldn't, I'm not saying love, not saying anything else. I'm just saying, it, it, I think I said it in the video, and I said it, I think I said it correctly, which is the V-neck on that guitar makes so much sense for what it is. Like, uh, again, it's a it's a goofy, crazy neck. Uh, like, and I I stand by everything I said in that video. That video, um, the original version was 27 minutes long. That the patrons got you guys got a version 19 minutes. I had to take eight minutes out, but I'm but I'm telling you, in the eight minutes, a lot of it was redundant, and some of it didn't make sense uh, to, to the overall the overall point, which was. If you're looking for something like that, if this is always uh, not why you would be looking for that, I don't know. But if you are, it's really cool. But again, if you're not looking for that, it's not going to convince you to like it. Um, uh, Casey Lee says, is it uh, my reverb? I'm sorry, this go ahead. Is my reverb page listening? It's, I think the reverb page is called KYG Shop because I try to be open about this. Um, uh, I do have a private... Um, reverb shop and then I have the K uh, KYG shop what I can tell you is the private one I haven't used it in over a year uh, if I use the private one which doesn't you know it's just it's private it just you know what I mean I'm usually sending it to somebody direct um, it, uh, I try to like I, like I said I, I named it KYG shop so you guys would know it was me and in there it talks about like this, it's, it's what video it was using all that stuff I want to be very upfront with why I have it you know what I mean what I'm doing with it why I'm getting rid of it again um it's important to me to be uh, upfront with everything I can. So, um, okay, we have some more questions. This uh, this question's from Eddie. I uh, this is a great question, and 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 it's going to actually connect to something. So he says, "Rest in peace, Lefty Affinity Strat, and possibly Telly. Classic vibe now is four hundred and sixty dollars plus gig bag plus tax." 550 before amp and other essentials. That's a huge entry level cost for a kid, beginner. I'm so sad. Now, that is his statement. It's what he put on the on the on comments early on in the on the show. I earmarked it. But I really like this this uh, question statement thing because the question is, you know, are affordable guitars gone? Are 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 we are is this inflation? Are the companies pricing Entry level players out of the market, and I have a I have a, a not a theory I have a f opinion. <laughs> so I'm gonna give you my opinion, uh, so you guys can churn it in your head and maybe maybe get your brains uh, you know going. Maybe get your juices flowing and think of things. So I really honestly and I have believed this for many many years. Again, before the guitar boom, uh, everything I'm gonna tell you now is a thought I had pre guitar boom. So it's not in it has nothing to do with the inflation in the market. I have believed for for over a decade now that Epiphone and Squire and brands like them, sub-brands of brands, have been on a mission to become a brand. I believe that Squire's mission has not been 
for at least, and again, I feel safe, the decade, but I could say almost two decades, but I'm going to say a decade to be safe. For the last 10 years, there's nothing that I've seen that makes me believe that a sub-brand of any company, whether that's LTD, whether that's Epiphone, um, whether that's uh, uh, Squire, whether that's PRSSE, um, those sub-brands of premium brands are trying to create another brand. The term being sub-brand, but it's just another brand, right? The, the reason is, is this. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like a good example is, um, and again, I've said this many times, I'm not a car guy, so I'm, if I get this, uh, this wrong with the car stuff, it's just kind of how I remember stuff. I think I remember like Plymouth was more of an affordable car company. Maybe I'm wrong right? Because uh, they got rid of Plymouth. And if I'm wrong about the company, you can insert whatever. You know where I'm going with this. Like there are car brands that created, like there's GMC and then Chevy's under GMC, right? Like a, if you buy a GMC truck, I understand it's spec differently, just like the guitars are spec differently. But a GMC truck is more premium than the Chevy truck, right? That That is the branding of that. Uh, or the, you know, it's how it's done, but it's also the branding. Chevy is not the econ- it's like not like it's not like I don't believe GMC was like we're gonna make Chevy the the cheap affordable truck uh, our cars and trucks it's it's that's the brand and then there's a premium so we see it as PRS and then PRSSE Gibson then Epiphone Fender then Squire but I don't think they for over a decade seen it that way I don't think they see like this is our cheap brand I think they think this is our brand and this is our premium brand see. Because we want we want it to be there's Fender is the brand and then Custom Shop is the premium, but that's not the premium. That's like the I don't say ultra premium. And I feel like I'm talking about toilet paper. It's ultra ply premium. No, seriously, like uh, private stock uh, for PRS, uh, Custom Shop for Gibson. That's not premium. Uh, the premium brand is the core brand, and then the brand is the sub brand uh, in that logic. The reason I say that is. Everything they've done, all those companies have done, kind of tells that story. You know, again, what they say and what their actions are are different things. They have been systematically creating, whether the inflation has done a little of this damage or not, which it has, some of it's not inflation. You can see the strategy in putting a squire, slotting it right into the main Mexico pricing and put the main Mexico pricing right into the pre, you know premium pricing. And SEs now, SEs are great, but SEs like Schecter stuff, you're almost on $1,000. Like I said, I, I said earlier, like, think about how I said it earlier. I go, oh, my, some of my favorite PRSs is my, my Vela and then this SE, almost like I'm trying to be like every average Joe going, yeah, I like an SE. See, I'm not a pretentious, snooty guitar player, but that's a $1,000 guitar, basically. That SE, I think it's like $800. And like, like uh, this started this question. Um, I'm sorry, what was the viewer's name? I apologize. Eddie, like Eddie started this, this question, this idea. You know, here we are talking about a sub-brand or affordable type product. We're talking about a guitar that's almost $1,000. That's expensive, even with inflation. That's an expensive instrument. SE is not a sub-brand. It's just another brand. So I feel like they're trying to branch out like family trees of brands. The reason I'm telling you this is, is this is that, and then our brains, because we look at Squire as a sub-brand, we think an Epiphone is like, oh, that's the sub-brand. That's the affordable version. Then as it prices out of its market, and uh, out of the entry-level market, we're like, what are they doing? Not realizing that the entry-level market is, Exactly that. 
off brands. My first guitar, I could not afford a Squire. I had a JB player. My JB player was a Strat copy. It was used even, you know, uh, I grew up, like I said, I grew up in Tucson, Arizona. Um, couldn't say my family was poor by any means. We lived in a decent middle-class house, right? We had, you know, you know, we were fine, I guess. But like I said, there was, there were some tough times, uh, you know, but tough times for us wasn't like, you know, no food. Tough times for us was like, we didn't have cable for like, we, we were talking, my wife and I were talking about this in my household, like you'd come home and there's just no cable for like three, four months. Cause they just, my parents couldn't afford cable. You know what I mean? Cable TV, which is a luxury. Right. And so again, not a hard story to tell people. It's just, that's just what it was. Like sometimes we had luxuries and like I told you about guitar lessons, sometimes I had guitar lessons when my family could afford it. And then sometimes I go to my lesson, and my mom was like, no money this week. So no lesson. You know what I mean? Um, that being said, we, you know, when I tried to buy my first guitar, a Squire, like walking in the store, I, my, my, my mom would look at a Squire and she's like, I'm not paying. I think then it was like 160 bucks. She's like, I'm not paying $160 for guitar. I got my JB player for $100 even. She was like, what do you have for a hundred bucks? <laughs> and I'm convinced, I think they wanted to pay $50. I think my parents were convinced they could buy a guitar $50 then <laughs> and they walked in the store. And then I think the cheapest guitars were the used JB players and other things like that. So my point to this is, is that, uh, exactly that. I, I don't look at it like Squire is, uh, like Eddie's talking about, he's like, Hey, you know, uh, beginner players aren't going to be able to afford a Squire. I think that's been the agenda beyond inflation. Inflation just happens to add to this fire, which is Squire has already already been on a mission, just like Epiphone, just like SE, all the sub brands. They've uh, they've been hands like guitars, like what's cable TV exactly? Well, you know, in my world, just you know, it's your age is your thing, right? In my world, cable was everything to me because I I watched MTV. I'm an MTV generation person, so to me, I'd only watch MTV, and then MTV once they could, when my parents couldn't afford MTV, it was like ah, what am I going to watch? Nothing. Murder She Wrote, wrote uh, reruns. So, um, and so I thought would be fun about this is like, I peel, I've been, when, as I've been talking, I pulled this up a little earlier. I'm going to share it with you. This is Sweetwater. What I did is I went to Sweetwater, typed in guitar six string and typed in price range 100 to $200. I wanted to see, you know, what $200. And again, everybody's going to have different opinions, but my opinion uh, is $200. I don't know why I'm having trouble. Oh, because I want to go back to me and I'm clicking all the wrong things. Um, my And I'll go back to the Sweetwater thing in a second. My opinion is $200 is uh, the entry-level price point for guitar. Uh, sure. Could you buy a $100 guitar today? Absolutely. Look, there are guitar stores where I live where um, uh, they have a row of 50 guitars deep that are $100 less used guitars, you know, all kinds of stuff. Um used, you know, uh, Sawtooth and Harley Bentons and, uh, you know, Aria Pros and all kinds of stuff. You can afford, find affordable guitars, but we're talking about new guitars. Um, a lot of new players, especially kids with their parents are going to buy, um, new guitars. That's just how they buy things. Cause they're not really savvy to our world that they can really score a great deal on a used guitar. So the question is, what is an entry level price, relatively entry level price guitar. I think the price is $200. I base that off the fact that if you look at the age of, of the kid that's going to start playing guitar, most of those kids are now walking around with an $800 phone, right? Um, sometimes it's a hand-me-down phone. The parent upgrades their phone, hands it down. But either way, you're walking around with a an $800 piece of technology reference-wise you have to put in play. Plus also sometimes as guitar players, 
as musicians, we lose uh, the, some of you guys don't have kids and you don't understand how kids, the, the kids pro thing works. This, one of the nicest financial things your can, kid could do to you is take up guitar. Uh, you should see what it's like when your kid takes up soccer or football or <laughs> baseball um, or ballet or gymnastics, um, how, how fast those fees and those costs can make guitar seem like a joke and cost-wise. Um, so guitar still is relatively, I want to say inexpensive, but obtainable. So going back to it, I want to look at this. We're looking at uh, guitars that are 200 bucks, and it looks like uh, looks like you have the minis. We'll take that out of the equation. I'm shocked, uh, you know, like all of you, this Squire Mini <laughs> was nine, $99 for probably 15 years straight. So the fact that it doubled in the last couple of years is crazy to me. Um, and then of course the bullet uh, being 200 bucks. But here's what I mean. Uh, here's what I want to get to with this. This mini, when we would sell the minis, we would talk to the Fender guys and the Fender guys would tell us that the minis, they made they lost money on because it didn't save them any money. They said, look, same amount of pickups, same bridge, same tuning keys. The fact that the body's just a, an inch smaller around and the neck is two inches shorter, they go, we really don't save a whole lot of time, especially in labor and cost on this guitar. So I'm not shocked that they found a way to get it right up there with the full size. So you have a Squire Bullet, 200 bucks. You have the Ibanez Geo at 200 bucks. And uh, I would say the Bullet, uh, was probably 129 forever, and then it went to 159. So, it 200 bucks. The bullet can be a pretty decent instrument. Um, now we have the Squire Mini Jazzmaster. Again, I want to stay away from the minis. A Geo again, 199. Again, if you're savvy, you know, like we we all know, you can find this Geo used all day long for 100, 100 and something dollars somewhere in a store. This Jackson Dinky is a pretty decent guitar. I played a bunch of these at 200 bucks. So, I mean, and these are brand names. Again, uh, we know that if you're, you know, because we're all guitar players here, we're all into it, um, that if you if you had a friend that wanted to get a guitar and they asked you, you wouldn't send them to buy most, most time you wouldn't send them to those, buy those guitars. You could go, Oh no, you go to Tolman.com and get a Harley Benton for one, you know, one sixty nine ninety nine. It's great. Or, you know, to send them to get, you know, uh, some of the off brand guitars, you know I mean? Hell you could get a $75 Glary and put, you know, if you know what you're doing, put some time into it for your friend and give them a guitar. Uh, of course those guitars get a little dodgy if you don't have somebody who can do the work. So I, I think there's still obtainable guitars I just think, like I said, you have to think of entry-level guitars as being outside the brand names. And, um, and and like, here's a good example right here. I mean, again, it's an 80s throwback. You know, will a, will a kid want this? I don't know. But this seems pretty reasonable to me. $179 in today's market for this Kramer Beretta, right? Um, Tremolo Bridge, we know they don't, you know, they're a new, new player. That don't put that in. Make sure the screws are back. One pickup. I, I'm a strong... Uh, believer that when you start playing guitar, if you're trying to be economical when you're starting to play guitar, then one pickup guitars are great. You know, no switches, no, you don't know what to do with those anyways. <laughs> no switches, no tones, just, you know, play the guitar. Um, uh, here's another one. Look right next to it. This Jackson Dinky JS11. Let's see if it's even in stock though. Cause you know, that's half the problem. So yeah, there's none on order, but this seems really reasonable. $159 for a Jackson. 
I mean, a lot of us would kill for this. I've played a ton of these, this exact model. I've had my hands on them. Um, little fret sprout here and there, you know, and you can see like, looking at this right here with this, the nut and stuff. I mean, a little glue marks everywhere. I mean, it's got everything you can imagine on a guitar at this price point. I mean, I can just physically see it. And this is their photo they prefer to show us. Look at all the <laughs> slapped on glue. Um, and uh, pickup frames warped on the on the bridge again. You know the point is that this is still fine though. I I would highly recommend uh, this for one hundred and sixty dollars. Again, I know you sh you know it's tax, but there's no shipping. Um, and then you got to understand like there is some good news, and this is kind of back to Eddie's thing. Um, he was saying, well, yeah, but guitar and amp, but but we know now. Hold on, let me go back. We know now. Uh, you don't need that stuff. First of all, if your kid has any kind of smartphone, you can get a tuner down uh, app for free, as I just told you earlier. Oh, well, I said I don't like apps, and I said I only have a few. One of the apps I have is exactly that, the Boss uh, Tuner app. I absolutely love this app. This is great. I mean, there's a ton of free tuner apps. Some of you guys have preference, but, you know, the Boss Tuner app for free, it's absolutely great. Your kid has a tuner app. You can buy, you know, you can go on Amazon and find Clip-On Tuner for $5. That works better than... <laughs> the pitch pipes a lot of us grew up with. So uh, that's an easy thing to obtain. A lot of times those guitars, that Jackson will come with one of those crappy little cables. That'll last you a few months before it starts crapping out. So now you got to buy a little amplifier. And uh, I've done reviews of the Blackstar Fly Amp, the $59 for that little practice amp. And um, I used to tell parents all the time, you know, if you know, and they say, what amp should I get my kid? And I go, depends who you love more. Do you love yourself or you love the kid? And they go, I love the kid. And I go, I'd get that amp. And they go, okay, what if I love myself? And I go, I get that amp. And I always pointed to the smaller amp. I'm like, I'd get the kid a small amp and some headphones if you love yourself. But if you, because <laughs> it's not going to sound good for a long time. Um, so I think there is a still in this inflation, in this craziness, um, um, uh, still options. Cause like I said, that's flat out just brand names at Sweetwater. And I wouldn't necessarily find that. I wouldn't say to you guys, as you guys know, that's the best deal out there. Um, and so one of the question was, I'm just curious what you guys think. Do you, if you're, if you're interested, would you be interested in me doing a video of one of these guitars? Should I buy a sub $200 guitar off off one of these websites and, and do a review of it to give you a, so we can actually get a reference of it. Uh, and if so, if you could suggest which one, uh, and please just try to use like guitar center, uh, Sweetwater, you know, Sam Ash, whatever, AMS, whatever your preference is, go there, hit the up under 200 bucks. I'm looking for 199 below. I don't want to spend more than $200. This would be literally just to do a video going, you know, is, is a affordable, uh, guitar, uh, out there, even though we know that if you go non-brand name, there's tons of them. I know I've, re I've reviewed them. So, so, um, so yeah, interesting question. So I, to answer Eddie's question, which is or his statement, um, I understand his, his, uh, I understand his emotional reaction, which is he like the classic vibe, you know, it's basically 550 bucks by the time you add it all up, you know, but the sad thing is, is, uh, the classic vibe is a great guitar and $500 is unfortunately with inflation, probably the right price on the guitar. I mean, again, maybe, I guess if I want to be critical, I think things would be like four bucks, three ninety nine. I don't think we're ready for this price point, but, but there are still, seems like there's still solutions with brand names, affordable pricing. And again, those are brand names, not even talking about, 
you know, as we know, there's tons of sub brands out there. You get Firefly to to Ert to to Ivy to uh, Donner to Harley Benton. I mean, just great guitars for the price that you can pick up for a beginner. Um, Sean Brooks says we should need to up the price affordable 400 bucks. That's kind of part of this. You have to, you know, look, none of us want to spend more money. Who the hell wants to spend more money? No one wants to pay more taxes, spend more money. Nobody wants that stuff. Um, but realistically, the market is, seems pretty, still pretty, uh, effective at getting, affordable price product to to the masses there seems it's not like it's over yet it's just again do you get the best no do you get exactly what you want no but i can tell you right now i i, I told you i paid like a hundred dollars for my used jb player when i was a kid um you know with inflation i would have take that jackson dinky for 169 that's the i i you'd have to google what inflation is right uh you know from the year i think i bought that guitar uh i want to say it was like 1989 I think that's when I started playing guitar. So 1989, do $100 inflation 1989, and if somebody can have it, you, you'll Google it. Tell me what the number is. I bet you $170 for that Jackson is about $100. It might even be worse than that. I'm just saying I feel pretty safe at that, considering when I bought my JB Player, gas was probably $0.98 cents a gallon, and now it's $3.50. Again, if you live in California, I'm sorry, it's $3.50 here. But <laughs> um, So I, I think there's still obtainable products at every price point. So, Sean says, hey, Phil, minimum wage here. We don't want to get too much in this, but I'm just highlighting. It says, minimum wage here is $11 an hour. My 14-year-old son has a job at Walmart. He brings home $200 every week. Sean, I don't know where you live, but like, to give you a reference, this is the only reason I'm going to tell you is because I, I know a lot of us live in different places in the world. I want to give you a reference. Um, where I live in Arizona and Phoenix, um, they're, they're starting most of the kids, uh, my kids that work and stuff, and all my friends' kids. Everybody's making about $17 an hour. Uh, I, now, before you go, what? Because some of you are going to have a reaction to that. Keep in mind, you can't get hours. You know what I mean? They can't get, you know, they're not going to get uh, crap tons of hours. But yeah, most companies here, most uh, In-N-Out Burger, I think, is starting at $15 to $17 an hour. A lot of them just because they can't get labor. Um, they can't get work, workers. So yeah. So yeah, if you had a, if you have a part time job, uh, you could you could buy that that Jackson pretty fast if you're making that kind of that kind of cashola. Um, Trevor says, okay, so he's saying with inflation, a lot of you guys are saying the same thing: two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty dollars with inflation. So hundred dollars when I bought my guitar. So yeah, so think about this. I honestly believe that Jackson Dinky is a better guitar than my JB player. Especially, I would have loved it back then if that existed. My JB player was not made in the USA, not made in Japan. I think my JB player was made, it might have been made in Korea, but it could have been made in China. I don't know, even back then. Because again, um, so yeah. <laughs> some of the guys, sometimes these conversations go so weird. Brian's like, I worked, I worked for three fifty an hour at McDonald's. Uh, yeah, my wife worked at McDonald's. I think she got three seventy five or three seventy four an hour minimum wage when she started there. All right. Um, okay. Oh, music therapy. Says, now music therapy lads. Okay, he's saying Starbucks local nineteen dollars an hour to twenty dollars. Keep in mind, he's California. And I think he's Northern California. Let's put that in. Look, California is its own freaking planet. I don't mean to insult any of you Californians. Like I said, I'm in Arizona next to you guys. 
You're, that's California's his own planet. Like Arizona, I understand that we're next to California. And when I say things, sometimes the prices here are crazy and things are crazy here. But you got to understand, California is its own little micro planet of craziness, like I said. Um, all right, let's get back to guitar stuff. Otherwise, otherwise we go off the rails and talk about the other things. And who? we're a guitar channel. Okay. Uh, we want to, first, I just want to thank Stuart and Jay, uh, for doing super chats, man. I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, Meester, uh, says, Hey, your thoughts on the Somnium relish and other pickup switching guitars. Can, can, can it help limit the number of guitars, uh, but large sound pellet? I've been very upfront about this and I'll, I'll say exactly what I think. I do not, uh, like, or, uh, do not find the relish guitars interesting at all. Um, I've said this a thousand times. The relish guitars is not about how it looks. It's not about how they play. I don't understand the concept of the relish guitars. Um, I just wish I did. I just don't. So the Somnium guitar, which is behind me, it's right there. So you guys are looking at it. There's the Somnium. So, and, and, and some of you guys now, it's been a little while. So some of you may not know what I'm talking, what he's talking about. This is the Somnium guitar. And the Somnium guitar is a guitar that has ejectable pickup cartridges. Right? Say, so, hey, look, there's me. And uh, this is a mini humbucker. And of course, it was in the neck. And now, if I want it in the bridge, it's in the bridge. And of course, I can put that in there. And of course, if you've seen my videos of this guitar, essentially it can, uh, let's do that, sorry. It can, um, what do you call it? It can have um, uh, active pickups. It can have passives in the same, at the same time. I can put an active EMG in the neck and a passive in the neck. I can put a tele pickup with a humbucker. I can interchange anything. And more importantly, I can do that. Meaning you can do that. If you have a flathead little teeny screwdriver like you have for eyeglasses, um, that's all you need. You don't need any soldering, anything. Uh, everything comes apart. Uh, essentially the, that come, that module comes apart. You can put any pickup in it in about five minutes. So if you have a Somnium guitar, you can buy a pickup right now, anywhere, take it, take it, put it in one of those modules in five minutes, put it in that guitar. And whether, if it's a single coil, it goes to 250K potentiometer. If it's a humbucker, it knows to go to the 500K potentiometer. Um, if it's active, it knows to connect the battery because the battery's not connected any other way. And it's active. It does all of that stuff. Like I said, it's modular. Someone said, Alan says it's modular. That's what the Somnium guitar does. The appeal to me when I saw the Somnium guitar was, is this is a guitar for somebody exactly like uh, to, to, to his question. Um, I don't know. Again, you're never going to replace all your guitars because it's going to feel like a telly. If you want a Les Paul, it's not going to feel like a Les Paul. You can get it to sound Les Paul-ish, but it's not going to feel like a Les Paul. But the idea is, can I, can I, you know, have a guitar that sounds like a telly? Yes. And then a Strat. Yes. Cause I can put the three single coils in and do all this stuff. And, and, uh, and, and more importantly, can you take this guitar to a gig and essentially have three guitars? Cause let's be realistic. If you're just an average player, you're not, you know, you're not John Mayer. You don't need 15 guitars to, to finish out this set. You know what I mean? You just need a guitar maybe with a telly set of pickups, maybe some humbuckers, right? And more importantly, maybe what I like using it for sometimes is, you know, you get it out of your system. You're like, oh, I think some Fishman Fluence pickups. And now you're looking at a guitar and either you got to buy some Fishmans and put in a guitar, or you got to buy a guitar with Fishmans, or I can just load Fishmans and then play it for a couple weeks and go, oh, okay, I like this. If I like it enough, it goes into a main guitar if I don't. Um, because because the fact there's no soldering, I can, after I'm done with those pickups, I can take them out and sell them or I can put them in another guitar. 
the guitar is that's its market. It's that anybody could do this. The the problem is, uh, so you know, in their patented technology of Somnium, essentially that's what they took care of. They patented that the easiness of being able for anybody to essentially do exactly what I said, install a pickup into a module and put it in a guitar. Relish guitars, which is why I said I don't get them, you have to send them the pickups. Then they put them into their modules, or you can have Sweetwater do it because they're a seller for If Sweetwater even carries them, they couldn't sell them. Um, and um, they, uh, they, uh, basically, um, <laughs> they basically, they have to do it. And, and then they cut your lead wire like super short to fit it all in. And essentially, in my opinion, ruining the pickup, ruining me, you have to put extenders on it and do all that stuff. Um, and more importantly, uh, that's not what you would want. I think to me, uh, whether you're doing YouTube videos like I'm doing, but if you're a, a guitar player, if you're looking for something like this, what you're looking for is exactly what I said. Um, uh, oh, uh, and I'll get to this. Somebody asked a question about the battery. Um, you want to be able to do all this stuff. And that's what they did. And so there's a lot of guitars out there that have the switching pickup system. In fact, switch up picking, pickup switching is so old, like Dan Armstrong guitars and stuff, that the technology and the patents are all expired. So anybody can make a pickup switching guitar. So, you know, Relish likes to tell everybody like, hey, our patented guitar. But my, again, I could be... I could be wrong, but my understanding is the patented on relish guitars is on the magnetic clamshells that go on the front and back. I think that's what they patented. I don't think there's anything patented with the module unit popping out because, again, Somnium doesn't have any patent, just like the other companies don't have any patent on pop-outable pickups. Their patents uh, revolve around uh, some of the process of how it's how it's put together, but more importantly, the fact that you can just insert do this stuff. So... Um, uh, and then some of you guys are talking about how they make a ton of selling the cartridges. No, that's the thing. You don't need to sell you, uh, me having it now for as long as I've had it two, three, two and a half years. Um, I bought a ton of cartridges. I bought, geez, I probably bought $1,800 worth of cartridges, um, for the videos and stuff. So I had them so I could just do it for convenience. Cause I could put all the pickups and do like all those videos you saw, you know, that's a lot of cartridges. Me personally though, if you were going to buy one for yourself, I wouldn't buy more than like said, three or four cartridges, three or four sets. You know what I mean? Like I'd get a humbucker cartridge, a single coil cartridge, tele cartridge. You know, I keep it pretty simple, right? Because, you know, th there's just no reason to have 50 di 15 different cartridges um, when you can swap out the pickups in five minutes yourself. And you're not going to, you know, unless you're doing demos like I am, you're not going to need to swap out. Like I put the JB in, I want to immediately compare it to the Pete Thorne Thornbucker. That's that's something that, you know, most people aren't going to play it. Um, Somebody says, where do they put the battery? The battery is in a, it's in a battery compartment in the back again, and it's isolated and it does not, uh, if you take the battery out, the whole guitar works fine. Like everything works. It doesn't need the battery unless you have an active component. What it is, and I, I have videos on this. If you're really curious, watch the videos on the modules, they have relays. And so essentially when you connect, a, when you, when you, uh, clip in your, your fast clip, your, your wires for your pickup, you just connect them to the correct relay. So for instance, if you get an active pickup, it has one powered line, you would then connect to a relay that would run to the battery. So when you put a passive in there, you wouldn't connect that relay. That's why the passives don't need that. You know, they don't, that's why they don't, the battery doesn't apply because it wouldn't go to the relay. Um, and the same thing with the 250 K pot, 500 K pot, it's depending on what relay you go to. Right. So there you go. Unfortunately, the only downfall of the Somnium guitars, in my opinion, is the prices have gone up dramatically since when I first reviewed it, obviously. So they're a small shop and inflation and parts and you name it. So those of you that bought one when I first did the video, you scored. 
because they've and they've gone up quite a bit. Um, but like I said, I don't I don't get the relish uh, thing. Uh, I just don't. I don't I don't get the concept because it, it's missing the one thing I give a crap about, which is I want to do this. I want to change out pickups and try different things, not just have cartridges of pickups. And and so you know, when somebody's talking about you have to buy a lot of cartridges, relish you do because you can't quick swap the pickups in the cartridges like you can on this guitar. So there you go. Okay, hold on a second. I'm just seeing if there's any if there was any other questions about pickup swapping guitars. Um, but there was a second part of that question I want to answer real fast, which is in the uh, is he said, does it would it keep kind of cure your your uh desire to want to keep buying guitars um yes it would um absolutely i think if uh the simon guitar for me personally obviously i have a lot of guitars a lot of different sounds um there is a bunch of guitars that if i didn't need them for the channel and i really sometimes don't if i couldn't justify them in other words and if i had to get rid of them anyway the somni would take care of that there's a ton of guitars like that like for instance behind me right here is a jackson that's a made in japan jackson with emgs um that's a luxury guitar for me it's my guitar with emgs i like it but i i could sell it tomorrow because i have emgs i can just drop in the somnium and i would be fine with that so there's a ton of guitars that I could get rid of just because I can do the Somnium. In fact, there's a ton of guitars I got rid of because of the Somnium guitar. I used to have way more strats. When I bought my uh, when I bought the modules for the Somnium, Somnium sent the guitar to me on the channel, and I did a bunch of videos, but I bought all the cartridges. Um, and uh, that's the kind of the deal we worked out. And um, uh, the Somnium guitar, when I got it, I had, I think, three Telecasters. And like six Stratocasters at that time. And now I think I have three Strats and one Tele um, because of that. Because I slowly just ultimately, um, I actually, I had different Strats for different pickup configurations and different pickups. And I just eventually just loaded them in those cartridges. I have those cartridges whenever I want. So yeah, it did help me there. Uh, Jacob, I think this is the last question of the day or subject. Let's make sure. Nope, the last one's a Meester, so uh, I'll do Jacob. Jacob says, hey, Phil, would you hesitate to change pickups on a limited edition instrument? I have a, a Dane, uh, Dane Electro uh, Brighton, number 22 of 50, in rose gold, thinking of new pickups. No, I, I don't really worry about stuff like that. Me personally, I I um, I have a limited edition Telecaster right there, that that ter, uh, Surf Green one, or Seafoam Green one, and I put Lindy Fralins in there. Uh, you know, I took the original fenders out. In fact, I took the bridge off. I don't really mind this stuff, especially if you, which you can, if you take the original pickups out, you just put them in Ziploc bags or somewhere safe and put them in the case or gig bag or somewhere, you know, where you know to get them. You could always, if you go to sell it, the only downfall of changing out the pickups is in case the guitar, not for resale value, but if it skyrockets in resale value and all original would be important. In most cases, if you upgrade the pickups, uh, most people are okay with it. I've said this a thousand times. I think a lot of us think like this. Um, I absolutely love it when somebody upgrades the pickups in a guitar and keeps the original pickups and then sells me the guitar as is. It's fantastic. Those are like the dream, uh, you know, the dream purchases when they say like, I'll, I'll see like Gibson 
like 2019 Gibson Classic, and it's like uh, upgraded to Lindy Fralins or upgraded to Bare Knuckles, and you're like, uh, I don't know, I kind of want the original pickup. And like, original pickups in case will be included, and you're like, oh, score, because you get it again. You now you get the upgraded pickups, and if you like them, you leave it. If you don't like them, pull them out, put the originals in, and sell those off. And like, it's a win-win. For, so same thing with you. Put the you know put the upgraded pickups in, keep the originals. If you ever sell it, you can always sell it like that. That's I, what I love to buy, and a lot of us like to buy. It's not good for you, though. Uh, smart for you would be to take the aftermarket pickups out and put the originals back and sell it as stock. Um, Sentiment uh, Sentiment says, um, one of my favorite Dunlop pickups, uh, picks, guitar picks. Um, I don't really use any Dunlop guitar picks. If I had a favorite, it'd probably be Tortex. I like Tortex, the orange ones, but I don't use them. But I that's what I would use or what I've used in the past. Um, for picks, like I said, I use the, I think, well, it's Dunlop Primetone, because I think that's probably says that around there. I'm pretty sure Dunlop's Primetone. I use Primetone, and then I use Herco. Herco, I think, is only owned by, see, the problem with Dunlop is they own a bunch of brands. Herco is one of them. So the picks I use, I think, are both Dunlops. These are the ones I use. Like I said, these are the picks I use uh, constantly, which is the Herco pick, which is silver, and the Primetone. And I use a 0.88 prime tone and a 1.0, a one millimeter prime tone. And I change it up a little bit from here and there. Um, Meester says long, no, Lug, sorry. Lug electric six string guitar, great for kids. So the Lug is, I think it's, is that a four string guitar? Three string, three string guitar. Uh, beginners in travel, love mine for travel. Also, oh, uh, the Tomo, I'm probably saying this name, Tomo, uh, I don't know how to say the name. Fajita? It looks like Fajita, and it's not Fajita. Fujita? Again, I apologize for butchering a name. Tomo Fujita, designed Ibanez AZ, looks good. Um, I've seen some of the new AZs, and I think I saw that name. I'm not familiar with the artist. I think when I saw it again, I think I remember going, I don't know that artist, and I clicked it, and I think I I went to a link and watched a video and go, oh, he's really talented, and then that's all I got from it because, you know, time restraint. Um, But uh, but the more important thing, what Meester's talking about is the Lug, guitars um if you guys don't know what lug guitars are let me show you real quick um uh so a lug guitar is essentially what exactly what he's saying let me just go to an image just to make life easy let me click on it right there okay let me share it with you there's the web uh so this is a lug guitar i was right it's a three string guitar has one pickup uh it's small uh, kind of like a it vibes to me like a ukulele, kind of like a guitar. Um, they have lesson courses on it. Um, I have not tried it. I've never tried those instruments, um, so I don't know. Um, I what I again with no reference of it, I can't recommend it because I have no reference of it. Uh, I physically saw them once at a NAMM show, and then I didn't stop at the booth. What I can tell you is what I've always liked um, for kids. Uh, travel and travel is, I like ukuleles or ukuleles, however you want to say it. Um, I love ukuleles. Um, I, I highly recommend them, uh, for, for people when they're like, when people ask me like, Hey, my kid, you know, is he too young? Are they too, or she too young to play guitar? And I'm like, how old are they? And they're like, Oh, they're five. I'm like, I would put them, you put them on ukulele with kids. Piano is a fantastic foundation. So don't ever forget piano. But if you want a stringed instrument, because again, let's say you're, you're a player, you know, you're a parent and you play guitar. One of the great things about, uh, ukuleles is, uh, they're 
tuned to open G. So think about this. The kid can strum just, <laughs> you can strum. They can just work on rhythm patterns, just strumming this G and you can play music with them. Um, uh, so, uh, so for instance, you on your guitar, you don't even have to think about it. You could capo your guitar, which is great. So think about this. You could take your guitar and capo it and, uh, essentially, uh, play exactly. It was, you guys will be in the same key, and you play along with each other, and you can play everything the same, same, same thing. Uh, chords are slightly, slightly different, but not really. You know what I mean? It's just a little bit different fingering positions. And of course, uh, I have a Gretsch. I, uh, my second video I think I ever did on YouTube was my ultimate travel uh, guitar. I think is what I call it, or something like my favorite thing. And it's my six string uh, ukulele, which is uh, I think also tuned in G. You know. Um, to G. So again, really cool. So I think on that guitar, um, I, I, you know, I'm doing off memory. It's been a while. That guitar has been in the closet for me to, since pre COVID. Um, I think you can capo like the third fret on your guitar and then I can play that, that, uh, that six string uke and we're, we're in the same key and we're just jamming and having fun. So, um, I'm sure the, the, the lugs are just like that. I just, again, I haven't, sorry, Meester, I haven't tried one, so I don't know. I would assume it's in the same realm. Um, RNA music says ukuleles are great for young beginners. Absolutely. Like I said, it's, it's, uh, before I would, uh, you know, try to make a kid play a, uh, cause here's where it gets a little tricky. I, I'm not a big fan of half size acoustics. So when somebody comes in and says, Hey, or somebody says, Hey, I want to teach, you know, a child to play guitar. Should they get a three quarter size? If they're three quarters size, which you can size them very easily for guitar three-quarter size, I'm like, yes. Once they go, okay, half-size acoustic, I'm like, you know, most half-size acoustics are just garbage. You know what I mean? They they don't intonate well. They play horrible. Um, some of them are junk. And especially what I remind, and I'm gonna, this is like a reminder for you guys, before, the only thing I really highly recommend is, please, for God's sake, don't buy those Walmart, Target, department store junk three quarters half size acoustic uh electric guitars that you see don't buy that stuff um it's you know it's 79 dollars and it's always packaged well i trust me you can walk into a legitimate music store walk up and for 79 dollars buy yourself a legitimate ukulele and uh and they can play that and um and the difference is, and this is what I've said, especially that's the main thing. That's the main thing to take away here. When you're buying guitars uh, that are sub $100, you're always looking at entry level. I don't want to call them junk. That doesn't seem very fair, but you understand entry level, low quality instruments by, by any means. You know, sometimes we just call them guitar shaped objects. If you have the opportunity to put a kid in a position of a really sub, um, sub $100 junky guitar uh, for their first guitar and they're small. Again, we're going off age and, and not, you know, and a, for the same price, you can buy a legitimate ukulele Buy that because here's why when they grow to the guitar, when they grow to the, they buy their first guitar, the ukulele is still around. There's no reason to ever get rid of it. They can, they can go to college and take that uke with them. So, um, so that's, uh, that's the, um, that's my advice, like I said. Um, and, uh, and, and for uh, those of you, just the last little suggestion for those of you, for those of you that, uh, that do take this advice and get a young one, a ukulele, the coolest thing you can do uh, to share music with them is Google the Beatles on ukulele. There's tons of videos and transcriptions with amazing Beatles songs that some are actually, you know, 
played on the ukulele on the albums and some is just some of it converted to ukulele and literally you can play guitar and I, what i've learned is it's like a universal language of the beatles is a universal language you give a five-year-old a ukulele and some beatles tune they just i mean they gravitate towards it it's just music that they just get you know what I mean? Uh, for all the reasons we know why. So definitely, like I said, think about that before you go down the thing. And uh, to Meester's credit, if you c come across a Lug, check it out. Like I said, I'm sorry, unfortunately, I've never checked one out. Um, I'm sure it's the same principle and might be able to do the same things. So that's something to consider too. If you do some research, watch some videos. All right. <laughs> Caleb says he likes the guitar-shaped object. Yes. Um, all right. On that note, I want to thank you guys, of course, for hanging out another Friday with us on the podcast. Don't forget, uh, if you want to make suggestions on the small amp shootout that I'm going to do, what you'd like to see. Also, let me know if you're interested in me doing a sub $200 purchase guitar, um, whether it's brand name, off brand name, what have you, you know what I mean, to see if they're any good. If the, if, you know, um, I'm, I'm really curious. A lot of you guys asked me about the $500 guitar. What guitar would I buy for $500 at Sam Ash? Uh, and I did that video, I think in 2017 and with inflation, the video just seems out of touch. And, uh, uh believe it or not, I was presented with an opportunity. I'm, I hopefully within the next couple months, I have an opportunity to redo that video. So not do another. I know some of you guys talking about, Hey, why don't you do another one with a different price point? Uh, I want to do a video called basically the same video 2022. You know what I mean? Uh, what do you know, what guitar would you buy now for $500 and, you know, what could you find and, and do the update that. So I'm working on that. So hopefully that'll be cool. On that note, I will see most of you guys next Friday. For those of you who watch the other videos during the week, I'll see you during that, or at least I'll see your comments. And uh, I guys, hopefully everybody has a fantastic weekend and plays some guitar. And until next Friday, thank you so much for your time and know your gear.